The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views, thoughts, or feelings of the My Take Radio staff, My Take Radio advertisers, or My Take Radio content partners. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 328, powered by Rageworks. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, My Take Radio is a variety show where I give my take on MMA, pro wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. We air twice a week. Wednesday night is our MMA and wrestling edition, uh, broadcasting live every every Wednesday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Thursday night is gaming and entertainment, same time, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. There are a couple of ways for you to tune into the show as usual. Uh, first and foremost, mtrlive.com, which has an audio feed, video feed, and of course, the live chat, which is currently in progress. You can also see a video simulcast on Twitch, so download the Twitch app available on your consoles or mobile devices. You can watch the show that way. If you want to just listen to an audio feed, you can use the Mixler app available for iOS and Android devices, and you'll be able to listen to the show that way. Last but not least, you can also use our call-in number and not hit option one and listen to the show via that method as well. Archived episodes of the show are usually available within 24 to 48 hours, uh, depending on our scheduling, and are available in archive and podcast format on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and official Rageworks, and of course, for audio versions, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. All right, this is going to be our last MMA and wrestling show of 2015, and we're definitely going to go out with a bang, lots to cover. I know our very own Ben from Black is the New Black will be joining us very shortly to discuss all the craziness that happened in the world of mixed martial arts this past week. Plus, on the wrestling side of things, we are going to get into TLC, WWE Raw, and NXT. Plus, of course, the wrestling news of the week. I want to share my thoughts on some of the breakout stars of 2015, both on the MMA and wrestling fronts, some of my favorite fights, matches, of course, I will pick Ben's brain and see what his favorites were. And, of course, we're going to get into what we're looking forward to seeing in 2016 as well. You can participate, as I said before, mtrlive.com for the chat. 
or you can call in 347-324-3541. Before we get into that stuff, though, a little bit of housekeeping. As I said, uh, this week's shows, including this one, are the last shows for 2015 for My Take Radio, at least. I know that our other show, our other hosts, Ben and, and Taylor, as well as Jay, are working on their own shows to make available to you guys. I know that there's a new uh, regular season sportscast, which will go live later on this evening. Just got to run it through some processing and put it up. And, of course, our shows will be available as well. But with that, you know, we're going to take these two weeks, obviously, to celebrate the holidays, but make a lot of behind-the-scenes improvements for our return in 2016. So with that, we will be back on air January 13th and 14th. 2016, same time, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, We're going to be making a lot of changes, both in terms of how we run the show, where the show's emanating from, and countless other improvements, which we hope to have ready for you guys when we go live in 2016. With that, though, of course, there will be a couple of changes with the way that the show is paced. Uh, We're definitely going to try and put a stronger emphasis on sticking to 90 minutes only because during my hiatus in November, we looked at some metrics and realized that while the longer shows allowed us to cover more, the, you know, people were reaching out and telling me that, you know, they, they try to listen to it in 30 to 60 minute increments. And sometimes it goes over a day or so, which is good. It's good to, to get that sort of feedback. Like I said, it allows us to tighten things up. Uh, make things more efficient, and, of course, give you guys the best product possible. Obviously, with the shows this week, I definitely feel that the 90-minute time limit will definitely not be... (laughs) It will not be firm this week. Like I said, it's just been a very, very busy week, especially on the MMA and wrestling front. Gaming and entertainment-wise, you know, things, things got a little quiet. I mean, obviously, there's a lot to discuss with Star Wars, which will be in theaters, uh... As a matter of fact, starting some in some locations on Thursday night and in other locations on Friday. But again, uh, definitely want to discuss that as well. Hoping to check it out this weekend and maybe get you guys a review. Uh, definitely not something that is 100% only because a lot, of, a lot of shows are sold out. And I personally want to try and see it early in the morning. But keep it locked, obviously, to RageWorks.net with regards to to that all right so aside from our broadcast schedule for this week and january i did want to let you guys know in case you did not catch it last week we broke four thousand fans on our facebook fan page uh very excited to hit that number that's a nice that's a nice solid number it shows that four thousand of you guys actually give a damn about what we're doing and um you know I've, i've started to hear from more of you as of late uh, both through Facebook and other social media methods. And it's great to connect with the listeners, hear your feedback, and of course, know what you guys like, dislike, and want, and want more of. So uh, definitely happy to hit that 4,000 number. Um, during my break in the month of November, got to definitely acknowledge once again the hard work of Ben and Taylor for Black is the New Black, and of course, Jay for the regular season sportscast for putting out some stellar, stellar content during the month of November uh, definitely showed, especially when it came down to 
looking at our statistics. So those guys definitely deserve a round of applause for all their hard work. They definitely did do an amazing, amazing job. So uh, very happy about that. I'm very happy that so many of you are receiving the shows so well and enjoying the content that those guys are putting out. Uh, They really are having a good time out there, which leads me to another announcement, which I mentioned last week, but I do want to remind people, starting in 2016, uh, the current iTunes feed, Stitcher feed, and TuneIn Radio feed for My Take Radio will be renamed most likely to the RageWorks Network, and um, that will, of course, house all the shows, and I think it's just an easier way for people to find all of our content under one umbrella. There's definitely been issues with people reaching out like, hey, I'm trying to find last week's, you know, TR, uh, TRSS or, you know, um, Black is the New Black. And, you know, I got to walk them through it, tell them to look for My Take Radio. It's in the same feed, et cetera, et cetera, just for the sake of consistency and maintaining our branding across all platforms. Uh, that's something we will be doing in 2016 with the goal, hopefully, to have it finalized when we go live in January. But again, it's something that we definitely want to have fixed, just not only for our hosts, but also for our listeners to ensure that our content is found easily. Now, I know some of you have reached out asking about the RageWorks Facebook group. Uh, The group is open to the public. I have put links in the show notes before. I will throw up a link in the on the fan page just for you guys that may have missed it uh great community of of folks in there comprised of listeners from all the shows as well as our staff that go in there and lend a hand whenever possible i think that it's one of those things where you know it's it's working with it's it's working in tandem with the fan page and i think it's something that you know i'm glad i did i think that some people were really, really hoping to see a, a return of the forums, which unfortunately was not happening. Like I said, um, the forums just, I, I feel that the forums are a dying medium, both on, on a grand scale and on a small scale, unless, um, unless you're running something super dedicated like a car forum or just something that has an ingrained fan base. Uh, great examples, you know, um, I want to say like the Nismo Motors forums are are a great example of that, where the community is just live and really working to uh, keep that community working. It's something that it's good to see, but many people, including us, are making the transition to just leverage Facebook. It's easier, as I've said in previous shows, many people just pretty much live on Facebook on, on a day to day basis. So we might as well utilize that platform to reach you guys uh, on a more on a more intimate level, so I figured I, I'd put that out there and um, remind all of you to join our Facebook group, interact with all our readers and listeners, as well as our staff on a closer level. And I do want to acknowledge our very own Slick, who was quoted by Telltale Games for his Game of Thrones review recently. Uh, lots of great press because of that. Um, a lot of people had a lot to say. They reached out. Uh, via Twitter and and shared their opinions. I I did want to, I will elaborate on that during the gaming and entertainment show. But I did want to acknowledge that you know Slick's work definitely is not going unnoticed. So kudos to him for that. 
for those of you that want to share your thoughts on that game or any of the others, please make sure to use our comment section. A lot of you guys, you hit us up on social media and you, and you create great dialogue. But if you guys don't share your thoughts in the, in the, in the articles, it doesn't allow the authors to, uh, you know, flesh things out, make explanations, um, or just walk you through something that may be unclear. In Slick's case, I think that he was pretty much very clear with regards to how he wanted his review to be interpreted, um, but I feel it got lost on, on a lot of people. But everybody jumped on the Twitter bandwagon because it's, you know, 140 characters of hatred. Um, and I say that because that's what's been happening over the last, I want to say, 6 to 12 months that I've been dealing with Twitter exclusively. It feels like, you know, it's just a place for people to bitch in short in short form instead of just you know trying to grow the platform and creating intelligent conversation i mean not to say that that hasn't been the case with youtube comments and many others but it's something that i feel has become prevalent as of late on, on in the twitterverse at least but definitely props to slick for his work and also for the acknowledgement from telltale games anyway that's going to wrap up all the housekeeping uh, tonight, as I said, busy week, lots of MMA to cover, uh, lots of wrestling, and of course, we will take your calls and break down the news of the week. So let's get the ball rolling. Let's cover some MMA first. So let's get to it. Man, oh man, what a busy, busy week for MMA across the board. Not only because of the obvious two title fights, we also had an Ultimate Fighter finale, and we also had an Ultimate Fight Night that was broadcast on the UFC Fight Pass. Uh, So we're going to get into that. Of course, Ben is in the queue, and we're going to get this ball rolling and see what the deal is. So let me bring him on board and get it started. Ben, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? I'm good. How is everything? Good, man. Good, man. Uh, excuse me. Can't complain. Yeah, lots of lots of good work. Uh, props to you and Taylor for all your work during the month of November. Definitely noticed. Uh, nice work. Pat yourselves on the back. Thanks. Uh, definitely Thank a a fair amount of debauchery for the Thanksgiving season, but it was it was well played and well executed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes when there's nothing else to talk about, we just. <laughs> it becomes, the show becomes ridiculous. <laughs> it does. It does get a little crazy, but you know, we we try to we try to make sure that things are running according to plan. I think it's one of those things where people don't notice the work that goes into it. Even even when you guys are maintaining your 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 audio, it's it's still one of those things where people have to kind of keep an eye on the you know just uh, keeping on point in other words like you guys go and you guys cover all the sports all the hip-hop but if it's a bye week or if things are quiet in the sports world it really creates a lot of of extra work for you guys because you guys got to fill that time and sometimes it gets a little crazy too yeah that that's something that i mean we we've 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 noticed like you know there'll be weeks where it's kind of dry on the nerve stuff or like, like you said, or, or dry in the music or whatever. So 
we we get on there like because 99% of the time the conversations that end up becoming ridiculous aren't really planned. It's just me and Taylor are like, you know, we're friends. So like, this is a conversation we would probably be having anyway. Right. <laughs> and like everybody just gets to hear it. Right. It's one of those things where people shoot the shit and, you know, it's almost like a fly on the wall approach. Yeah. But in any case, it was it was a wild week for MMA. I want to kind of go go through some of the cards, not go match by match because forget it. We'll be here all day. But um, yeah, I got to ask, which which was your favorite out of the three cards? I mean, it was three days, 30 plus fights. Uh, we got we got people we got stars that were born. We got people that got put to sleep. <laughs> it was it was definitely a wild week. Um, my favorite out of the three cars. Um, it would have to be the big one. Okay. Before, um, just because the the two the two last fights meant the most. Right. Um, but there were there were I mean on Frank on the Frankie card. Um. On the fight night card, I mean that that Tony Ferguson, Anthony Barbosa fight was crazy. Plus the you know the Frankie Edgar and 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 uh, Chad Mendez fight. Yeah, that um, fight was insane. I, I think the weakest card was, yeah, the weakest card was the fight night card, but um, it's it's it too still had you know important stuff on. It. I mean we we saw Paige Van Zandt, something me and you had said like yep. months ago get completely exposed um so i mean there, there was a there was like you said there was a lot a lot that went on this weekend with that many fights well i i want to actually start with the with the fight pass card first thing i gotta say mm-hmm. is ufc fucked up putting that on fight pass especially when i heard that fight pass went down at one point and really fucked shit up yeah i mean their, their fight pass. I, I don't know particularly what they do. Um, I I, uh, I don't pay for fight pass. I have a friend that does. So when I want to watch cards on fight pass, I just use his account. But it's like it's it's a it's not a great service. Like it it goes down a lot. It, it it's choppy at times. I don't know. And then like you said, I, I think I think they fucked up a bit putting it on fight pass. Also, like the the pace the pacing of that show was really bad. And definitely, I don't, I don't know the, the the bout order was insane. Like I I don't understand having Algernon Sterling on the pre like the. I'm glad you brought that up. Fight from the bottom. I'm glad like, you brought that up. Way in the world. Yep the guy yeah. the guy's ranked number five coming in facing a number ten ranked fighter. <laughs> guy's exciting to watch. Is a showman. Knows how to sell the fight. Yet is relegated to the prelims of the prelims, you know? Yep, and I believe made 18 and 18. While Sage Northcutt uh, made, I want to say $400,000. I, I don't well, understand. I, I'm glad you brought that up. That and we'll, logic. We'll discuss that in a second. But the thing the thing that got me was Aljamain Sterling went in there, made a statement, beautiful guillotine choke in, in the second round to, to get Johnny Eduardo out of there. I, I felt it was a solid performance. Definitely puts him up there ready to fight, you know, in, in the upper tier. Um, it, it's it's crazy because there's there's a lot of dangerous guys at bantamweight. So who would you want to see him fight next? Um, well, he's been calling out Brian Caraway. 
Um, Ugh, but nobody wants to see that fight. Stop. It, it, <laughs> but strangely enough, like it's become this thing. Like Brian Caraway doesn't accept fights. Apparently, this is true. Um, uh, which is, I don't know, strange. But yep. um, yeah, I mean, I, I would, I would like to see him fight anybody in that top four. Um, you know, uh, you know, Brian Caraway, I think is like number five or six or something like that, or or uh, <clears throat> Rafael Sunsau or. Hell, I'd even like to see him fight Favor. Um, I'd like to see that. <clears throat> you know, I, yeah, like somebody like that. Um, I, I'd like to see him face, really face one of the, these upper echelon guys. I think him and Favor would be an exciting fight. I think that would be a good yeah, yeah. a good display of stand up technique, and it would also really push the pace if the fight went to the ground. Both those guys can go. They got great cardio. They, they're no joke. Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be a good fight. I was really shocked in that John Howard Tim Means fight that Tim Means put him out in that second round. John Howard's not a slouch. I mean, the guy's a a pretty solid guy. I didn't expect him to get caught the way he did, but um, it was it was crazy. The guy was out before he even his head even hit the mat. Yeah, man. Tim Tim Means Tim Means puts on good fights. I mean, he was beating Matt Brown before he got caught. I mean, he he he's a really good fighter. I, I just don't think people really. Um, see it that often but he's really good so sage northcutt (laughs) um lots lots of lots of stuff to discuss about sage northcutt first thing is the i want to address what you said about money and you know what the thing is man i i i don't blame the i can't blame the kid for getting paid what he got paid you want to know why because that's management the kid's manager negotiated a deal the UFC said, okay, and here we are. I mean, again, that's not to say that the kid should be making what he's making, but I got. we also got to be aware of the fact that, you know, managers come in there and say, this is what my fighter needs in order to perform at this level. In Northcutt's case, the UFC went after him after seeing him fight in another organization. So... Matt, the management was like, you know, his management was probably like, oh, you want my client to fight in your organization? Well, it's going to cost X. And the UFC was like, yo, this kid, this kid is our, this kid is our great white hope. Um, give him what he wants. I mean, I'm not, I don't say that to be facetious, but I say it because the kid, ever since he burst on the scene, the UFC's pretty much strapped a rocket to him. And plus, the fact is, he, the kid's athletic. And and knows how to market himself effectively. Yeah, I'm, my issue, like 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 you, my issue isn't particularly with him. Like I don't blame him for asking for it. If hell, hell no, offer it. But like my issue is kind of like how how did the UFC come to the conclusion that this this guy is the next up? Like he okay, he can, he can fight some. We've never seen him fight anybody like that's good. Oh yeah, of course. And and also like it's not like he's Conor McGregor on the mic. No, definitely like, not. Like he he's not interesting, really. Outside, of, if you find out things about his personal life, like which are kind of creepy, like he has a stage parents, like he, it, like I it's just like like I, I don't really. I, I don't know how they decided like, Oh, this is, this is, this is the, um, 
this is a guy. I'll tell you. I'll tell you also, why. Also, he's going to lose a lightweight. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get murdered at at, at fifty five. Gonna get he's gonna get obliterated. But here's here's a couple of things to put put to put in perspective. You you take a kid, nineteen years old. Kid is nineteen. Looks like looks like a like a like a human like a live action figure. You know, chiseled out of granite, uh, marketable, looks the part. I mean, he, he's he's Ken Doll in MMA pants, you know? And <laughs> you got to look at it this way. When you hear the words 19-year-old kid fucking people up, the UFC looks at it as if we grab this guy early, we can we can turn him into something greater, which, again, is weird because, like you said, who dictated that that kid had the, the the it factor to sell what because he can do he can do a, a a guile kick in real life you know like like you know he could do he could do that yeah that's that's cool and all but that's not winning you any fucking fights because if you get if you get your, your chest caved in you ain't flipping nowhere but the thing that gets me is the fact that dana white brought this kid in and and was like yeah this kid blah 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 he's amazing and it's like dude he's amazing off what a couple of amateur fights and the one fight that you saw, or is he amazing because he's yes, sir, no, sir. And is easy to mold. That's really what that is. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Uh, yes, sir. Mr. White said, that. I mean, you know, Mr. White said, Mr. Fertitta said, I'm so happy to be, it's like, yo, the dude is straight up, you know, Hills have eyes type shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, and like I said, like his, parents like if 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 because like if you look into a little bit about his his parents and how they uh his uh life it's kind of creepy like <laughs> he got the real stage parents thing going like he's been doing this for a long time it's just it's, it's weird but i mean that's kind of beside the point but like he's not always going to be like that no nope. like, like john jones was like that for a while like, exactly. People forget John Jones used to do what the UFC wanted him to do. Oh yeah, yes sir, no sir. Like, Wait, I don't need you. Like, like I don't need, and and I think that's kind of where we're going with fighters. Um, eventually, anyway, like, like guys like a John Jones, Ben Henderson's going to test free agency. Like guys like that, they're going to figure out, like, yo, we don't really need the UFC to make money. Like, we don't need them. The, so, well, yeah. I mean, th- this is kind of. Off a off onto another tangent, but yeah. So I mean, if that's what they're looking for in this guy, that's fine. But when you when you deal with high level athletes, you're not going to get dudes that are yes sir no sir all the time. Right. But the thing is, you look at this guy, and and it's funny you brought that up because when you look at his resume, it's like he's like a model. He does supplement company work. Like this kid is, he's pretty much like what happens to girls that are in beauty pageants. Where they start off doing little kid beauty pageants, then they get into teenage beauty pageants, all being groomed and manufactured for the public eye. And I think that a big part of that is the fact that the UFC noticed that. And they realized that they got a kid who is tailor-made for for molding. The guy is, 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 is clay. He is perfectly molded, you know, Wheaties box level clay. You know, and, and the thing with that is it's a gift and a curse because when you take something like that 
when you take a kid like that and you try and put him in the spotlight and manufacture a star, it, it, the 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 probability of of that guy getting his lights put out just for the sake of derailing that hype train is very very real, you know. Also, you could have a Ty Marinovich type moment where he just goes off the deep end because he's been uh, <laughs> made to be something his whole life. Right, and that's right. and that's the whole thing. It's it's a very very slippery slope, and like you and I have said before, when the UFC goes goes all in with these guys and and figures this is the guy, it's like I hate to break it to you, you're never ever going to have the guy because in sports that are recognized, you know, in, in athletes that are recognized on an individual level, all it takes is one injury, one fuck up in the public eye. And none of it matters. None of it matters. Think about it. Look at uh, let's let's look at wrestling. Let's look at pro wrestling. You look at a guy like Seth Rollins, top of the food chain. You know, girlfriend. You know, naked pictures of him got out. All this shit. And yeah, it didn't derail his hype. But the minute he blew out that knee, it was a wrap. Yeah, and dude was at the top of his food chain. I mean, it, it only takes. It only takes one thing to, to, to knock you that down. Right. And, and that's my concern with this kid. This kid, though, the, in terms of him being messed up outside of the cage, his parents are going to see to it that that doesn't happen because, obviously, meal ticket. But I will say that if the UFC doesn't cultivate him right, he's going to get his ass kicked once he gets into that top 10, especially, especially at 55, yeah. man. Too many killers. Too many killers at 155. You don't even got to be a top 10. I mean, top 20 on up on in 155 is animals. Like, them dudes, like, it's the deepest division in the sport. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because look at my Jim Miller and Michael Chiesa's fight. It was the same thing. You know, Jim Miller was ranked 14. Chiesa, I don't think, was even ranked. And Michael Chiesa basically just became Jim Miller. <laughs> that's what happened it was like it was like they took one dude out of the tank and put another dude in and it's the same dude yeah man like like lightweight is like that and i mean you got guys like that you got yancy Medeiros. You, you got a whole bunch of dudes unranked and still really good like it's just that's what lightweight is so that's why i, I i'm not i'm not sold on this kid at all like i'm at all you know what it is I, I i definitely feel that the kid has the talent but i think that the ufc is going to try and really book him and and this is the worst part that i got to use uh wrestling jargon they're going to try and book him effectively instead of hey you're going to fight your way up the ranks no we're going to book you effectively enough to where it looks right except of course if you're Paige van zant because that entire division is bad news <laughs> Yeah, you know, in her defense, her <laughs> original fight she probably would have won. Like uh, against I don't Joe know Dan, uh, jo- Joanne Calderwood. Calderwood I, I think she would have won just because Joanne Calderwood, though she can strike, like she would have allowed her to do that, pay, that sloppy come forward, Paige Van Zant, ridiculous looking takedowns, and just outpace you kind of thing. Like she probably would allow that because even though she uh, 
Calderwood can strike. She doesn't really angle off well or do do any of the things that Rose Amajunas was doing. Like Rose Amajunas was just beating the hell out of Paige Van Zandt from the work. Well, here's here's the funny like, thing. That wasn't a fight. Paige Van Zandt fights like Clay Guida. <laughs> Tell me she does. She really she does. Tra- like she has no real technique. Like 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 in and, and, and every time I saw her fight and Joe Rogan even though like this week he's been saying ridiculous stuff. Yep. Like Joe Rogan said this during her last fight, like he 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 was kinda worried. He was like, yo, like she's not ready for anyone ahead of her. Like like he called it. And like she doesn't have technique. Like the things she was trying to do to Rose Namajunas were not going to work. Like she kept trying to do a head and arm throw against someone who's a better grappler than her right. and just giving up her back repeatedly, like over and over and over and over again. On top like, of the that fact was her go to move. On top of the fact that Rose was taller, so she had to work twice as hard to try and secure moves like that. And the problem is that she's coming out of a camp with team alpha male where it's exactly that style. All I gotta say is Chad Mendez the next night. <laughs> you know? Where these guys, it's just like, yeah, we're going to come forward, we're going to come forward, we're going to come forward. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you guys want to push the pace and come forward. But you got to remember, it's also about angles. It's also about using other weapons in your toolkit. And Team Alpha Male is boxers and strikers. It's, it's, you know, dirty boxing boxers and, and wrestling. wrestling. You know, dirty boxing and wrestling. And it's like, you're talking about a girl who won one of her fights in Invicta with a flying arm bar in fucking seconds. Seconds. Not even minutes, seconds. But you know, it's like the UFC. Yeah. The UFC they had they had a lot invested in trying to get Rose into into the public eye after the Ultimate Fighter, and then when she lost, they were like, "All right, on to the next one." Little did they realize that Rose is a legit fighter. Like this is a woman yeah. that cut her hair because it was in her face. Like she was like, yo, I'm I'm gonna go out there and look like like Furiosa from Mad Max because this hair is a distraction. Didn't give a shit. Didn't care about magazine covers or looking cute. It's like, yo, I get paid to punch people in the face, choke people out, and put a hurting on people for 15 minutes. 25 of them trying to get a belt. Simple as that. And the UFC was probably like, shit, can't put her on nothing, you know. Because Dana White, because Dana White, as much as he tries to keep it as 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 you know unilateral as possible, Dana White is all about yo. Can can I squeeze the booger out of this quarter? And with Rose, you can't do it. You can't do it because he's like shit. You know, Pat Barry's a lunatic. She doesn't give a shit, and she's she's in she's not in this to be to be famous. She's in this to win titles and put people in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at that division. If they're, I guess, if they're really, if he really, 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 really is like, oh yeah, I need, I need someone that looks good. I mean, Alexa Durazo, uh Whenever they call her up from Invicta, I mean, she's attractive and a very, very good fighter. But th- that shouldn't matter. Should like, I, it, it, it shouldn't matter. But it, regardless, I mean, <laughs> Paige Van Zandt is not it. I'm going to I'm going to tell you something going to be it. I'm going to tell you something. You know how crazy it is that Ronda lost, right? And 
you know, she's been out of the public eye. And as soon as there's a picture of her, like, drinking a milkshake with some high-ass mom shorts, everybody's like, yo, man, she got she got fat already. She gained 20 pounds after that fight. This is this is the stage of the game we're in. It, I, I kid you not. Dude, that she doesn't actually walk around at the weight she fights at. Well, well uh, but, but here's the thing. It's like any – dude, I saw that picture on Facebook. She had some high-ass shorts on. And listen – as, as as a man, we have our own preconceived notions and body issues. We just don't talk about it. And most of the time, when we do talk about it, it's because somebody brings it out with some stupid fluff piece. But you got to look at it like this. she's she, wa- she lost her fight. Pretty much got her jaw almost broken. What the fuck do you think she's going to do? Also, the, the the type of person she is, she's probably, like, mad embarrassed. Oh, of like, course. She, she's probably insanely embarrassed. And, may, and, and dude, maybe and, she's finding oh. solace in a pint of ice cream. May, maybe that's what it takes. But you know what? Fuck it. Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. But but that's the thing, you know? Like, looking in her case and looking in the Paige Van... Like, like Paige Van Zandt getting her ass whooped and acknowledging that she got her ass whooped the UFCs are probably like fuck. Got to pump the brakes on this one too. Furiosa dis- dis- derailed the entire train. <laughs> That's why you don't really put your trains behind people like that. They yep. have lucked up with Conor McGregor. That's not normal. Nope. That's that's not not normally how it happens. No, it's not. And the thing that gets me is with Rose's match. You know, like I said, when I remember when they did that season of the Ultimate Fighter with the strawweights. You know, they had the smoky makeup on, and you know the the really really fluffy photos, and oh, they're beautiful and dangerous. Remember that fucking marketing campaign that they were cranking yeah. out there? And it's like, yeah. and it's and and when you saw it, you're like, listen, it's gonna be a good season because you're crowning a champion, and every woman in that house is a trained killer. Period. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, I didn't care about all the. Yep. I mean, unfortunately, like wrestling, there is, MMA appeals to some of the lowest common denominator. Yeah, the baser, sometimes, the baser instincts. Yeah, and sometimes you have to appeal to those type of people, and that's fine. But the thing is that when you're crafting these stars, you got to remember that you should just craft them for the sake of crafting them and not for the sake of making them the face of your organization. Because what happens is, and, and, and then Dana White has to bat cleanup. Like I said last week, you put, you put all this pressure that these fighters don't need. It is unnecessary. You know, last week, you know, I know you, you, you weren't on, on air with me last week. You know, Dana White was like, oh, you know, Ronda told me she was tired and blah blah blah. Why are you telling anybody that anything? Has nothing to do with her. Exactly. It's like, yo, I, 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 I saw that when he was on ESPN, yep. and I was like, yo, that you're discounting one your champion. Yep. Your now champion, um, win. Like this is something that bothered me about the Jose Aldo fight. Yep. Even though Jose Aldo got got knocked out, it still bugged me that the UFC was so clearly biased. Like so clearly, not even hiding it, bias towards one of the fighters. Well, and you shouldn't do that way. It's just not how you should operate. Well, it's like it's like you said 
you know, like like with what you said and Val said it too, the UFC is trying to go mainstream and Jimbo Sly said that marketing is hype. At the end of the day, the UFC wants, and, and this is the worst part, they want us, they want to compete head to head with the NFL and Major League Baseball and, 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 and the NBA. Do you realize it's like, to, to quote what was said in, in the in the upcoming movie with uh, with Will Smith about about the concussions, the NFL owns days of the week. Do you? Do, it's like, do That's you understand? Right <laughs> but, but think about, but think about it. You, they own days of the week. Like, like you're, yeah. you're not you're not getting there. Like the UFC, as much as I love MMA and support it. They they are like what Val just said in the chat, a niche sport. They are a very UFC very is probably feeling is boxing, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like boxing isn't dying. Like nope. people for some reason still say, but the UFC's ceiling is around what boxing's ceiling is, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a niche sport. It's always going to be a niche sport because you're never going to get. For something like something where two dudes are trying to concuss each other, you're never going to get everyone on board with that. This is not a nope because not something everyone's going to watch. L- listen, I'm not I'm not a boxing aficionado. I've you know most of my my boxing knowledge is about the the, the stuff I watch casually as a kid. Uh, Jimbo Jimbo Slice was like he he put me onto a couple of boxing matches. I watched them and I was like fuck you know there there's some bona fide stars in boxing on top of the fact that there's serious fucking cash in boxing you you know you know and and for people to be so short-sighted to say that the sport is dying is ridiculous i feel that much like mma there's going to be high points and low points just like just like wrestling again wrestling mma um boxing Hell, pro pro bodybuilding is a, is a good example. All of that stuff is niche. You know what I mean? Those are those are esports. You know, professional Call of Duty players, dudes playing Madden for a hundred grand. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Mainstream media gobbles that shit up because they find ways to create compelling stories. But dude, at the end of the day, most people look at MMA and they still think of two guys, one guy wearing sneakers fighting a guy wearing a gi in a cage in the middle of a seedy fucking casino in Vegas. <laughs> that's, that's the, that's those are the facts. That, like when I tell my grandfather, like, yeah, yeah um, I write for um, a website, MMA, like, Oh, the dudes that are wearing, they, they don't have rules. Like, yep. no, there's rules now. Like, <laughs> there are a lot of people that still think that way. And so, that, that's what happens, man. And, and the worst part is that, you know, and, and again, I applaud the UFC. They made a big jump. They've pretty much, obliterated all their competition they've either they've either bought it destroyed it or 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 merged with it to create this juggernaut this force but the problem with creating a juggernaut of that magnitude is that you're going to have complacency you're going to have complacency you're going to realize that you know major companies don't even fuck with you like i hate to say it but you guys partnering with reebok is because Nike didn't want to touch you guys. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's keep, <laughs> let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. 
basically, even before John Jones um, had his incident, yep, uh, Nike was probably going to get out of the MMA. Like they 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 weren't getting returns on their investment, and they only had like that's just no, not to cut you off. They only had deals with particular fighters: Anderson Silva, John Jones, Junior Dos Santos. You know what I mean? Like Nike was like, "Yo, all right, these guys are your next, um, you know, your next Kobe Bryant, your next, um, you know, they the you know your next Kobe, your next LeBron James." And like you like you just said, when they saw that, they're like, "Yo, we're not really moving volume like that." Nike's like, "All right, fuck it, you know, we don't really need to to touch this yet." Yep. So, I mean, oh, you're a little cut off. I think you're far from your phone, Ben. No, I'm right here. Uh, the UFC's business model is is strange. Yeah, well, that's but but the funny thing is that like everybody talks about the Reebok deal and the fight kits and all this. It's like, yo, you realize that Reebok gives so little fuck about the UFC. They misspell jerseys. Their their marketing (laughs) campaigns. Their marketing campaigns are concocted by by people who don't even have their their finger on the pulse of this sport. They have two colors for everything. Yep, dude, it's it's crazy. Connor, Connor, Connor gets green shorts. Yep, Connor gets green shorts. Maybe, maybe the colors will be right. Uh, oh, what happens if two fighters want to wear white shorts? Well, one's going to wear one with a white and red, and one's going to wear one with a white and green, and that's it. And then it's like, you want to charge all this money for these fight kits. It's like nobody's walking around with a jersey that says McGregor on the back. You have an easier time selling a t-shirt with a, with a version of Connor McGregor that looks like the Notre Dame mascot. Then you do sell. Then then you do sell it, dude. Nobody wants that stuff. I have yet to see anyone, anyone, publicly wearing a piece of Reebok kit, and I mean real kit. I'm not talking about the shirts that are made by by some of these smaller companies, but a real fighter jersey. Doesn't happen. Yeah, I've never seen anyone buy them like that, and I would be shocked if anyone did. They're not. They're not something something anyone wants. Like, nope. they just don't look good. No, nobody nobody wants that stuff, man. It's like I understand you wanted to phase out a lot of the douchey clothing companies that were out there cranking out materials and, and putting out. I mean, don't get me wrong; some of the merch that some of these companies did put out was complete dog shit. But instead of instead of doing that, the UFC should have just taken the merch in house, got input from the fighters, and done what WWE does. With their shirts, and they they're trying they they want to be mainstream, and the, the easiest way to do that is to sign on to a uh, mainstream clothing company, Ugh. even if it's a second tier one, <laughs> even even if it's fucking Reebok. I, I, and again, I'm not knocking Reebok. You know, I have I you know I've I've had some Reebok stuff in my in, in my time. I'm not gonna front or or pretend that I'm you know holier than thou when it comes to that. But the fact is that. You're you're partnering with a company that really doesn't understand the business. Like you would have been better off partnering with Under Armour, who at least had a deal with GSP, who's been who's who's had GSP under their umbrella for years now. I think he's still under their umbrella yep. in some capacity. Yep, he's still out there. He's still so, out there I mean, promoting that. Know. He's still out there promoting that. He's out there promoting Nas. Like the UFC's partner with Monster. Yeah. 
and GSP's promoting Nas. Yeah, so I, I don't know what, what the UFC is doing, really. Like, so, I, I don't understand some of their business practices. Hell no. So I want to I want to switch gears. I want to talk about this Ultimate Fighter finale. Um, a very solid card, but I got to tell you that Ultimate Fighter season and finale just got thrown into fucking chaos when the guy didn't even have his visa shit put together, which was crazy. I'm gonna be honest. I I was completely unaware there was a season of the Ultimate Fighter. Yep. Until the finale, like I was. I was completely unaware. I was like, hold on. Oh, there was a whole nother season of the Ultimate Fighter that I was completely unaware happened. Um, it's unfortunate that he didn't have his visa. Um, but I, like I said, I, I didn't even know there was an Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, it was. Here, here's the thing. I, I watched I watch the season. Um, I felt that, that Faber and, and McGregor made it quite compelling. Um, there were some really, really talented guys on there. It's funny because when the show started, I said my picks are going to be the guy Saul Rogers because he had the look. He he was athletic. He mm-hmm. definitely can, can can fight. And Ryan Hall because the guy's ground game was on another level, dude, on a, on a completely different level than most of these other guys. You know, it mm-hmm. was it was it was ridiculous. So when. The season ended. I I missed the last ep- the last two episodes. So I'm expecting. Oh, it's going to be Saul Rogers and and Conor McGregor's boy in the final, and it's like, oh, Ryan Hall's fighting for the contract. I'm like, what the fuck? And then of course did a little digging, found out what happened. I'm like, oh, this is just this is just chaos all around. But the card was surprisingly good. Yeah, it was. It was it was insane. I mean that Edson Barboza Tony Ferguson fight. Woo! <laughs> Fucking fire, dude. Yeah. That was a really good fight. Um Tony Ferguson has has become really, really good. Yep. Um and Barboza he he he's a good fighter, but I I, I don't know if he'll ever crack that that I mean may, maybe he'll put a couple get wins together and maybe uh, get a title shot, but he he just seems like like a dude that's going to win a couple and then get into the the higher echelon and lose. Well, you know what? Uh, he he's a great fighter, but he I don't know. <laughs> Barboza Barboza's the guy that can always go out there and you can and give you something that's highlight real worthy. But Ferguson's just been creeping up, tightening up his game, tightening up his game, tightening up his game, and the problem is that again. Like we said before, 155, super stacked, army of killers in that entire division. So it's like any fight for Ferguson after Barboza is going to be a fight that would probably put him in contention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he shouldn't be that many fights off from a title shot. Yeah, it was It was, It was. was definitely Maybe a fight. Or two. It, it was a fight that, that delivered and really impressed me. Um, with regards to the, to the Ultimate Fighter finale, the the guy Artem Lobov, who was um, Conor McGregor's training partner, conveniently enough, just saying, um, <laughs> that guy looked lost out there. He didn't know what to do fighting Ryan Hall. Uh, Ryan Hall's, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, masterful. This guy, he'll grab a limb and he's he's stretching you out immediately. And to see the fight go 
the distance that it went. I mean, when when Ryan Hall was on his back and the guy wasn't even defending, I was like, yo, this is a finale for a six-figure contract, and this dude's just hanging out, standing there, <laughs> waiting for a fucking bus. Yeah. I'm, li- I'm like, yo, is this happening? I mean, you know, of course, Dana White's like, oh, you know, I thought Herb Dean was going to break them up. I understand that, but... Regardless of whether Herb Dean was going to break them up or not, dude was not defending shit. Got to defend yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, he was. There was there was zero there was zero zero defense going on in that fight, and I'm and Dana White gave him the contract, and you could just see he's like, yeah, your winner, Ryan Hall. Here's the contract. Like you could see, he just gave zero fucks. <laughs> he had other things on his mind, like the next night. Yeah. But I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what though, Frankie Edgar did exactly what you would expect Frankie Edgar would do by putting Chad Mendes to sleep in 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 quick fashion and grabbing that microphone and saying, "Listen, I'm fighting the guy that the, whoever wins tomorrow. You can't deny it. That's that's what I'm doing." I was like, "Well, shit, dude's keeping it real." Man, uh, Frankie, uh, I mean. He normally doesn't hit that hard, or it, or normally he doesn't connect that cleanly. Maybe is the better way to put it. Right, he probably always hits hard. He just normally doesn't connect that cleanly. I mean, he hit him with three straight punches, clean on the face. Um, I mean, I I don't know if he gets the next shot of, at Connor, only because I don't know how long Connor stays at one forty five. Right, we'll talk about that later. Yep, uh, a little bit in, in the next uh hard but if no one else deserves it unless you're giving Jose Otto a media rematch which probably not because the UFC hates him yep (laughs) (laughs) gotta keep that gotta keep it real dude it's like Frankie Edgar made a strong case for himself dethroning the quote unquote self-proclaimed Mike Tyson of MMA this is why you don't say shit like that because dudes like Frankie Edgar come (laughs) along and put you to fucking sleep and then it's like oh but you know you're the Mike Tyson of MMA, so I guess you're losing like him too. You know, it's like you know you don't you don't want to be a dick about it, but it's like yo, Frankie Edgar made a very strong case, and you know it just wasn't it just wasn't a, a, a good night for the dude. And the worst part was that he had a full camp for this fight, and people were saying that you know McGregor McGregor tapped that jaw, and you know he's it's not like he hasn't been knocked out before, and that's kind of part of the reason why, but. I don't think that was the case. I just think Frankie Edgar had better hands, and he was and he was just he landed clean. Yeah, I don't I don't think it had anything to do with the McGregor fight or nope anything like that. I, I just I think he just got caught. <laughs> you know, it's 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 one it's one of those things where either one of those guys could have put the other to sleep. It was just Frankie Edgar was the better guy. That's it. It's plain and simple. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I don't think it had anything to do with, oh, Connor hit him so hard last time. That ain't got nothing to do anything. Yeah, but, you know, it, it's like one, something you, you put on, on social media about, you know, the, the armchair analysts. It's like, oh, this is like, it's like, no, 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 no. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Most people don't know shit about MMA. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like, and you feel bad because it's like, yo, I like Frankie Edgar's the number two ranked fighter in the world, pound for pound, for a fucking reason. Chad Mendes is ranked number three for a reason, but like, excuse me, like we said about about Team Alpha Male, Al- Alpha Male is about wrestling and sloppy boxing. 
that that's it. And you're fighting a guy who has real de- pretty good hands and has a decent command of wrestling. You're not you're not running through the guy. Probably would have been beneficial to them to not get rid of Dwayne Ludwig, but you know. Yeah, but Dwayne Ludwig, I, I, and, and it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that Dwayne Ludwig. And just the way TJ Dillashaw and all this shit went down, and Uriah Faber's pretty much like, "Yo, I'll fight the dude." I'm I'm gonna be honest. And lose. <laughs> I mean, whether whether he loses or not, you gotta do it, man, because it was it was a grimy way to go out. I don't because we we never got a chance to really talk about it, but like I don't blame TJ Dillashaw for leaving because from what I understand. Alpha male was like, you can't work with Ludwig. And <laughs> I agree with TJ Dillashaw. Like, look, man, like, yeah, you guys, you guys got me, you know, started in the sport, but this dude made me a champion. Right. But like, here's... I don't, I don't blame him at all for being like, yo, I got, I got to go. Oh no, I, that, that part I understand. But here's the thing. The guy, the guy made a commitment to, uh, to team alpha male. And when he started doing privates, you know, private sessions and training with Dwayne Ludwig, he knew he was like, yo, I could really work with this dude. So right then and there, you should have been like, you know what, guys, I don't think this environment is going to work for me. I'm just going to go my separate ways. But it's like you could you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You get what I'm saying? Because it's, it's two different training yeah. methodologies. And what you're doing is you're leading on your teammates and you're also in a way, fueling the success of Dwayne Ludwig because everybody looks at it and they're like, yo, you're winning because this guy's putting in work with you, but the guy's still repping Team Alpha Male. You know what I mean? Like, it, when he saw that that was the direction shit was going, he should have just been like, you know what, guys? I think this is this is where we part ways. Like Val just said, MMA is not a team sport. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yo, this is what works for me. I'm out. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and that was one of the reasons I never... Like and and I understood why people were like you know had a issue with it, but I I never I I thought it was a better move for him, period, to go with yep. Ludwig. I he, I agree. He, like I, I I didn't think there should be any hesitation on his part. Like nope, clearly you are a better fighter with Ludwig than you are with everybody else. Team Alpha, right? Clearly, but- so I don't I I never thought it was any sort of conversation to be really had there. Right, and but- I, I I found it weird that Uriah was confused when it happened well you know what it was I, I just i found that part strange you know what it is man it's like when you start a business right and you start a business with your boys and you're all you're all thriving you're all shining and there's always one or two guys on your team that work a little harder uh, you know take to take to the skills a little better you know make a little bit more bread and what happens is at that point you either have to accept the fact that maybe this isn't the best, you know, it's not the best arrangement. Like when Uriah Faber was talking about money and the shit with Dwayne Ludwig, I'm like, you knew money was a factor immediately. But the fact is that they should have recognized, and this is for both on both sides of the coin, that it the arrangement wasn't going to work. It wasn't going to work because you know what it is? Alpha male should have known that once TJ Dillashaw started training one-on-one with Dwayne Ludwig, he wasn't part of their team anymore. Like, yo, wake the fuck up. I mean, I got to acknowledge what McGregor said to Uriah Faber in in The Ultimate Fighter. He was like, yo, man, you know, your dude, your man is in your crib eating your food 
but yet he's getting he's getting he's attributing all the successes to another guy even though you're the one that's feeding him and and i understand that because it's true it's like yo man these guys brought you to the dance the least you could have done was been like listen it's not going to work out i i feel that i'm thriving in another environment i'm grateful for the opportunity and go about your business you couldn't you can't play both sides of the fence and it's funny because when he showed up on the ultimate fighter uh tj dillashaw the um McConnor McGregor goes, yo, is Dwayne Ludwig going to come in with you and take over the show? It's like, he, you took over Uriah Faber's gym. You might as well just take over the show while you're at it. And I was just like, damn, that's, you know, it was cold. But it, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things where he said, he's like, yo, man, if you were loyal to the camp, then you're loyal to the camp. But if it wasn't working, you should have just kept it moving. Can't have both. Yeah, I agree. I mean, but. Like I said, MMA is not team sports, nope. so I I have no issue whatsoever. Do what works for you. Yep, um, I understand. If it's not alpha male, then it ain't alpha male. I, I don't know. Um, but alpha but, male's uh, never been setting shit on fire anyway. Let's keep it real, man. It's, no, they've <laughs> never won a title. Fight. Like, it, it's not. It's not like they win title fights. It's not like they're out there really ethering dudes. I mean, Team Alpha Male's known for really good wrestling. And Uriah Faber's chin. That's it. <laughs> really good wrestling. Uriah Faber's chin, and really, really weird clothing lines that they come out with. Torque, uh, you know, all this other shit. Like that's what they're known for, and that's fine. But it's like, listen, you can't, you can't be part of a camp that's not winning. Like that's just, that's just business. And and they don't win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's so, like it's like look what happened like to Paige I mean, Van Zandt. I don't blame him at all. Paige Van Zandt came out all team alpha male, blah blah blah. It's like yeah, her wrestling was good, her boxing was what it was, and um, as soon as you got into the higher level, we found we found out that you you're not there. I mean, most of the alpha male guys, they either they're always the bridesmaid and never the bride. I mean, how many times is have have team alpha male guys fought? You know, um, guys like um, like Mighty Mouse. Did Joe Medavides? What he fight him twice? Twice, and there you the go. Time looked like he got shot in the face. There you go. <laughs> but what? But what does that tell you? Like, like these guys, they get to the big dance, and and they should realize, hey, we're missing something. Period. Whatever and, it is. I mean, their best moments were when Dwayne Lovett was there. Right. They all looked their best when Lovett was there. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Alpha Male is uh, – it's still a good gym for smaller fighters, but they they there just seems to be a limit to how high they can go with their current, current setup. Yep, absolutely. Now, let's talk about this UFC 194 card. And I want to talk about the um, – the, the women's strawweight bout between uh, Tessia Torres and Jocelyn Jones Liebarger. Now, uh, this fight was put together, obviously, on a whim because Tessia Torres' original opponent got injured. Um, I think it was a great showcase for her being the number, fi- number five-ranked fighter, uh, you know, coming in with a 6-0 and record. I just feel that it was it was definitely a difference in skill, and I think that part of the reason was probably nerves from from fighting on a bigger stage for for jocelyn jones linebarger but the fact is that tessia torres just looked better in this fight overall 
Yes, she 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 looked faster and just better in every aspect um, than her opponent. Um, I mean, Tisha Torres is a good fighter. I mean, she beat Rose Namajunas um, like a couple years ago. So, yep. I mean, she's a she's a good fighter. Um, I don't know if she beats Joanna Champion, but um, but she she deserves her um her 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 chance at it. Because um, I, I really don't see it after she um Joanna uh, fights uh Claudia Gadella, like who's next up? And I think Tisha Torres and Rosalma Jr. should fight for the, who, whoever yep. whoever wins that fight gets the top shot. I, I agree. I think that's actually a good matchup for for both fighters. I think it would allow Rose a chance to redeem herself and get back that win, if anything, or for you know for the Tiny Tornado to show that she's not just you know. Uh, uh, not just a pretty face, you know. Yeah. But um, the pay, the prelim main event, of course, your eye favor, uh, Frankie Signs. I think um, Frankie Signs definitely showed a lot of potential. He really definitely took it to Uriah Faber in a lot of the exchanges. But um, I always feel when it goes to decision, Faber Faber's not losing. Hate to say it. Yeah. Also, I think this fight, and and, and Frankie's fights before. Uh, I mean, not Frankie. Excuse me. Uriah's last few fights are showing that Uriah's not the same fighter um, anymore. Nope. Like, because uh, that flurry he had in was it the second round, he had a flurry in the second round that he would have finished when a couple years ago, and he did that, and then basically did nothing for the rest of the fight. And uh, I was actually kind of surprised that he won. Um, to be honest with you, uh, but I, I think Uriah slowed down a lot with age. Well, I, you know, it was funny because Joe Rogan's like, I don't know, man. He looks tired. He looks tired. I'm like, he doesn't really look tired. I think that it was just the pace of the fight is is a guy keeping up with his pace. But to to go with what you were saying, I definitely feel that it was a harder it was a harder fight for him in terms of getting the guy out of there which he just couldn't do. The guy was definitely durable. And, you know, you can attribute it to the guy being younger and, and being more put together, or you could put it attributed to just Uriah Faber being, um, you know, just an old an older guy. True. True, he's been fighting for a long time, so. Seriously, yeah. I, I saw I saw his age, and I was now. like, well, shit, he's the same age as me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so eventually he's going to slow down. <laughs> Damn right. Now, um, the Max Holloway Jeremy Stevens fight was ridiculous. Max Holloway is a fucking problem. Yeah, Max Holloway, man, <laughs> he, he he is he is very good. Um, I, I would love to see him fight a guy like Connor or Frankie or somebody because uh, he his striking is just so good. <laughs> Especially for a, a striking nerd like me, like to watch him, him, him fight is just he 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 does things in every fight that um <clears throat> excuse me that other guys just don't right do. like they're just not as smooth as strikers of him and yep. uh, I'm really looking forward to see who they put him up against next because I think he he really deserves an upper edge like a real top three top four type of dude at this point. I can agree with you. I mean, Jeremy Stevens was a guy that used to be a really big threat back in the day. I think age is starting to show on him too a bit. 
Um, but Max Holloway looked tremendous in that fight. Definitely, I agree, I agree with you. I think that definitely guy top five, you know, top you know top four at best should should definitely be a a, a better test for him. That's for damn sure. Yeah. Now I yeah. want to switch gears. <laughs> Got to talk about this middleweight fight because I know you and I were both equally pumped when it was when it was announced, but fuck, did it not deliver? <laughs> <laughs> it did not deliver. I mean, between your Romero holding the cage, blatantly holding the cage, I was like, well, shit. It's like, all right, he was holding the cage, but yeah, he still won via split decision. I'm like, how? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, first of all, like on that cage hold, he should have lost points. Yep. Like, that was a blatant cage hold. Like, there, you couldn't even pretend, like, oh, I, I just, I reached out for it when I was getting taken down. Nah, bro. You held it. Like, yep. Um, also, I, I thought Yo Romero lost the fight. Like, I did too. I, like, after that first round, he really didn't do anything. And, and that's kind of how Yo Romero fights. Um, like he has these moments of like insane offense, right? He, he hits like a Tekken combo on somebody, right? But then long stretches of the fight where he's just standing and hunting, not doing anything. And if he's getting a title shot, he's going to get hurt doing that against Luke Rocco. Well, here's the thing: I personally wouldn't give that guy a title shot based on that fucking performance. I'm sorry to say, but it's like, yo, you blatantly I mean, held the cage. But if you don't, who do you give it to? You give Weidman a rematch. I mean, see, I don't know about Weidman a rematch because he got beat down so badly. He he did. He like, did get beat down. And, and the, re- the, re- the reason I said it is because there was a lot of things wrong with Weidman's performance. But to be honest, Luke Rockhold came in there fully prepared. Like, Weidman just didn't look like the Weidman of, of before. You know what I'm saying? And it could have been a ton of things. Personal problems, um, you know, cut weight cut, whatever the case may be. But the fact is that Weidman came into that fight with a 13-0 and record. And the funny thing is, like Val just said, Rockhold came in hungry. Weidman came in complacent. Rockhold came in hungry. Dude came in there, chiseled out of fucking granite. His striking was on point. He wasn't even tripping out about the wrestling or anything. He went in there. The dude wanted it more. Now, again, we can't make... You know ex- what I thought... Um, oh, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is we can't sit here and make excuses for Weidman. I'm not going to do that, you know, even though he's, he's, you know, he's a local boy. But the fact is that it just it just wasn't the same guy. But to, to add to it, but before you, you hit me with what you got to say, Weidman's, mm-hmm. you know, his title defenses. And, I, and and again, it's one of those things that if you're Weidman, it's got to keep you up at night. You know, yeah, you beat the greatest fighter of our generation. But it wasn't it, it, like, and you and I have spoke about this. It wasn't decisive. You know, like first one, he was fucking around. Second one, his fucking leg broke. Then, you know, you fought Machida. It wasn't the Machida that was fighting like you were like if you were fighting uh Bayek and Tekken. You know, it wasn't the same dude. You you know, Vitor, let's let's not even talk about it. Vitor at this point could get beat by a by a gust of wind. And and that's the problem. And and you know, we've talked about this before. 
a, a champion is not just defined by his victories, but he's defined by his opponents. And I'm sorry to say, yeah, you fought guys that are considered top tier legends of the sport, Hall of Famers in some cases, but it wasn't it wasn't the same. You know, it was you're not fighting. You weren't fighting Anderson at the top of his game when he was, you know, fighting guys like Forrest Griffin and making him look stupid. You know, you were fighting an Anderson Silva that also was complacent. Yeah. See, here's what I think about Rocco and I have a couple things. Uh, The first thing is like um, one, I think the IV ban might have hurt him. um, not being able to, uh, uh, Rehydrate with IVs. Yep. Uh, cause he said he, he, he was a whole lot smaller for this fight and it kind of showed. Absolutely. He didn't look as big as he, he normally did. Luke Rockhold is a humongous middleweight. Like, uh, he looks like a light heavyweight. In the he case. does. Um, and Rockhold looked like a small middleweight. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how much that, that affected him, but I, I think it did too, a little bit. And also, Rockhold has always been a dude. And, and that gets tired fast, right? Like even even in the fights he's winning, he always looks like he's tired. Uh, yep. and, and and it's not so much that he he's he it, it's affecting him winning the fight. He can he fights very effectively while he's tired, but like he just even in like the Machida fight, he looked really tired. And and even in the Anderson Silva fights that he both of which he was winning, he looked tired. Um. And I think getting kicked in the body by Luke Rocco, which sounded like he was getting hit with a bat right. repeatedly, um, didn't help anything. So I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I, I don't know particularly. I, I think a fight between him and Luke Rocco, the second fight, I don't know if it goes exactly the same, but I would still pick Luke Rocco to win that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I got I – got fucking killed on some of those picks for for UFC 194. I make no I make no qualms about it. But it's it's I just felt that Yoa Romero's that like his circumstances for winning, it wasn't like it it, it was a, a a a stamp that said, "Yo, you should you should be fighting next," you know? Like it was like, "All right, you won. Great." Like think of the build up for that fight. It's going it's a fucking snooze fest. At least if you if you go the yeah, route of giving really wide, no build up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. You got a build up of a guy who, you know, barely speaks English. Rockhold isn't really a trash talker, so again, it's like what what somebody said to me that week. It's like, yo, you would think that those guys weren't even fighting on the card because nobody gives a shit about them, dude. When they went on the scale, the crowd was like, yay, dude. The crowd was super That's mild. That's a McGregor fight. <laughs> Yeah, but but That's but I'm McGregor effect. Yeah, but but it's just super mild. Like if you notice, Weidman hasn't really carried a main event. Like he wasn't top billing. Notice that? Yeah, he 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 really hasn't. <laughs> it's like, yo, here's this dude. Uh, he hasn't caught on. Right. Like I, I I think I thought he would. Like he he just. I mean, yeah, he was he's an excellent fighter, but he just hasn't he hasn't caught on. With the casual fan. And, and and that's fine, because whatever, you know, fuck it. But the thing that gets me is that if you put Rockhold in there with, you know, your Romero, and you're going to book, you're going to try and book that fight, it's like, yo, you better just put that fight in UFC 200 with a bunch of other fights, because you're not selling one fight. You're not selling a card with that 
unless the undercard is fucking stellar. Dead ass. Yeah, I I I doubt like I doubt that they they are top billing. Uh, oh. whatever card Rocco's going to be on, I, I doubt he's he's the headline. Nope, it's like UFC. It's like if you and and, and you know Dana White kind of said that already. Like, oh, you know, Ronda's going to fight Holly at UFC 200, and you know, blah blah blah. And it's like, yeah, you're going to have to save half of those guys for UFC 200 because they don't draw, which is fucked up. But they just don't. Yeah, and that, and these are these are the facts. And I feel bad for Weidman because Weidman comes comes in, and it's like it's like yo when he threw that spinning kick, and it's like, yo she's you know you know he's he's throwing that spinning kick, and everybody's like, what the fuck just happened? Because he threw that kick and it was lights that was out. Stupid. <laughs> First of all, he threw that kick and he was dumb tired when he threw that kick. Right. It, it was super slow, and. Instantaneously, he was getting his ass beat. Like it was, it was throw a stupid kick, get taken down, get your ass beat. Like it, it was. But I'm. I don't know. It was. But it was no, stupid. Well, aside aside from that, the fact that that they let him take that much damage to close out that round boggled my mind. Yeah, like I um I went and saw that with Taylor. Me and Taylor went to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings to see that, and we were screaming at it to be stopped like like damn like he took a lot of damage he took not only did he take damage but it's like post fight you just looked at his face and you're like yo you you took an ass whooping that you shouldn't look the way you look because you intention you not intentionally but it's like yo you weren't defending yourself you weren't it's like the elbows were getting yeah. through like, your I mean, guard. At first he was, for a little while he was, and then like towards that, that last 15 seconds of the round, those were all hitting him clean. Yep. Hitting him clean. And then it's like, so, I, I have a feeling that when he came out for that round, he was he was a wrap. You know what I mean? Yeah. When he came I, out I for the like next Rocco round. I feel like Rocco probably did Because Rocco did the same thing to Machida. Like yep. He, he, he basically sent him back to the corner asleep. Right. Walking asleep so so i mean yeah uh, i i wouldn't be <laughs> i wouldn't be shocked at all if he was dumb concussed I, back to the corner i wouldn't I, like i said i think there's just a better compelling story in that rematch between those two guys i think there's just something better there that you can tell a better story with i mean again you're not selling a main card but it's compelling enough to make you want to see it again. Yeah, well, we'll see what they do. I mean, they they said uh, Dana said Yoel's next, but we'll we'll see what they do. Yeah, well, D- Dana said Yoel's next, and Rockhold's over here calling out Vitor because Rockhold knows that the Vitor fight. Oh. You know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Vitor did make a highlight reel with that with that finish on Rockhold, and I know Rockhold that shit keeps him up at night. <laughs> so I, I can oh, understand. Exactly. <laughs> so you know what? I, I'm not gonna lie. It's like Yoel Romero may be the statistical opponent, but the opponent that might make motherfuckers tune in is Vitor. Dude, if Rocco fights Vitor, he might kill him. Fuck like, it. I'm not, like, Fuck like, it. We need that. And, and like I'm only partially joking. Dude. And I'm only partially joking. Dude, fuck it. We need that. 
let's 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 be honest. What's gonna get more people to tune in? Vitor being Vitor talking about oh you know blah blah blah. I knocked you out before. I'll knock you out again. You know, like there's a there, that that has a good story, and people will just people will tune in either because will Vitor will lightning strike twice or will Rockhold pretty much send Vitor to the retirement home. You know what I mean? Like people are gonna watch that shit either way. <laughs> I can already give you the answer. Exactly, dude. You know he's he, he's he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna murk that dude, but. I'd I'd gladly watch it because at least there's a compelling buildup to it. Because all you got to show people is like, yeah. yo, look at this highlight reel finish where Rocco got put to sleep, and everybody's going, like, oh shit. Yeah. So it's uh, I'm that uh, would be interesting to see if they made that fight. Val says Vitor will subscribe to a new type of TRT that's undetectable. He'll need it. it <laughs> you think not? I, I think I think Vitor will. I, I think he'll start stealing drugs from from AIDS patients. Vitor is going to come in to juice to the gills, just juice out of his mind. He'll come in juice to the gills, win the belt. They'll find out that he was tested. Dana White will get mad, throw the test away, like when he fought John Jones. Pretend like they knew nothing about it. Exactly. Oh, what test? What test? What are you guys talking about? No test. It's like, yo, your own champion, your own former champion was like, yeah, kind of knew about it. Kind of. <laughs> kind of did. So I was like, we, we all already knew he was on steroids. We didn't know that, but you did. So, no, <laughs> Dude, nothing beats when John Jones saying like, yeah, we kind of knew, but fuck it. I, I, I think he knew. He was like, yo, I know I'm going to beat this dude, so it's all good. But like Val just said, they'll fight in Brazil and, and duck the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Because you know the commission in Brazil is not gonna not gonna put a hot test for for one of their own out there. You know that. Especially not Vitor. There you go, dude's like the honorary mayor over there. But um, let's get to the big one, the one that the one that just upset countless people across the country. <laughs> but yet you can hear the entire country of Ireland cheering through your television set. Uh, Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor, um. Build up to this fight was incredible. I mean, even when they were at the at the media day, and it was funny, they were at the media day, they walked away and they gave each other that nod of respect. And Dana White like shook his head like, what the fuck just happened? Like he didn't know what to do with himself. He's like, yo, y'all ain't trying to kill each other? Like, I think that those guys those guys realized that at that moment they were like, yo, we are we are hours removed. From getting what is without a doubt the biggest payday of our lives, so let's just yeah. give these people a show. Like when 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 Aldo came in and he did the the Bruce Lee like McGregor did, and McGregor tried to kick him. It's like it's like Dana White's like yes, yes. Dana White was like the emperor in, in, in Star Wars. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> you know he was hype, yeah, dude. I mean- yeah, all that all that pre fight stuff was 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 really great. I mean, like like uh, like I said, I went with Taylor to uh, watch the fights, and t- Taylor's like a super casual fan, right? And uh, like uh, the moments before the fight, um, <laughs> also I love that that uh, McGregor came out to Notorious, um, <laughs> Biggie, um, 
But, uh, like, the moments before the fight and, like, um, something I was saying to Taylor, because all he knew about McGregor is he talked a lot of shit. And, uh, <laughs> That's what everyone knows. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, man, is he like Chell Sonnen? And, like, there was a moment before the fight where McGregor was, like, walking through the tunnel. And I'm pretty sure he passed. I don't think he passed Aldo, but I think he passed, like, Aldo's camp and, like, mugged them. And then there was a moment, like, where he was walking and he looked kind of nervous and he looked up and smiled at the camera. And I was like, no, nah, he ain't, like, and like I was like, and I, and I pointed out to Taylor, and I was like, he's not like Chell, because Chell didn't believe anything he was saying. No, Chell, Chell was a character. Said, yeah, everything McGregor is saying to you, he believes. Yep. Like it may sound outlandish as hell to you, he believes it though. Yep. So, um, I wasn't expecting like, and you know, and I don't think anyone, including McGregor, was expecting to win in thirteen seconds, but. Um. Yeah, it happened that way. Um, I, I don't, I don't prescribe to the uh, the notion that Aldo was scared of him. No, no. Aldo fought way out of character, or nope. he was nervous. I don't think any of those things happened. Um, I do think his first punch was sloppy as hell. Um, and that could have been from a number of things. That could have been from not fighting in a year. Um, but I, I don't think that had anything to do with being afraid of. Or, or, and I don't even think he was. I won't say he wasn't annoyed with McGregor because I'm pretty sure he was, but um, I don't think it was some. Oh, McGregor's so deep in his no, head, no, no, no. he destroyed him mentally. Because I no, saw no. shit like that, and also from from one of the things that annoyed me, and what which prompted like my uh, my little mini rant about like people don't know shit about MMA is like people were like, well, he didn't even look McGregor in the eyes. Like this is how I know you don't watch MMA. Like he never looks he nope always does that yep that's not a new thing nope <laughs> not not a new so, thing i mean and and here's the here's the thing these guys are walking into this cage and yeah you know they 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 probably they hated each other they whatever the case may be but at the end of the day these guys as soon as that cage door closed yes they, they one they're defending their you know they're defending their honor they're defending you know they're representing their country there's a million different reasons that are there for each guy but i'm gonna be honest when that cage door closed those guys thought to themselves win lose or draw we are getting fucking paid and i i I hate to say like 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 people are over here living and dying by jose aldo and conor mcgregor and it's like yo these guys they're it's like it's like what i said to you before you know champions are defined by their challengers and it's like jose aldo made probably the most fucking money fighting Conor McGregor than anybody he's ever fought. That's not to say that they didn't deserve it or they weren't talented enough to be in the cage with him, but I'm just talking about the real motivator here besides a belt. Fucking zeros. It's like every one of those Irish fans that booed Jose Aldo put money in the fucking guy's pocket. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's what aggravates me. Like when I went into the weigh-ins, I went into the weigh-ins on YouTube when, when I put it on, yeah. on the site and you know, you have the YouTube comments scrolling in the corner and people, people are incredibly brave when they hide behind, you know, online handles and people just saying just, just terrible and belligerent shit. And I laugh because I'm like, you guys are part of this machine. Every one of you that buys a pay-per-view Every one of you that writes a comment or sends a tweet, 
you're fueling this machine that is making these guys get fucking paid right now. So you go ahead and and yeah. and, and say that you know Conor McGregor's is, is is goat or or Jose Aldo's a chump. At the end of the day, these guys are counting their money, not giving three fucks about what you say. Zero. Yeah, that that's why one of the, that's one of the reasons. Like I never prescribed to the Aldo was scared. Yep. Uh, thing like, do you not realize? Like, he grew up in a favela in Brazil. Like, yep. he ain't scared of McGregor. Nope. Like, he, <laughs> he's not scared of him. He may lose, but he ain't scared of him. Nope. Fear. Like, fear just, had I, nothing I, to do with that. Fear had had zero yeah, to fear do. Fear had nothing to do with that. Absolutely um, not. <laughs> what really? Yeah, and, and like, and like, I, huh? No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, and like I said, like, I like McGregor. Like, I've always liked McGregor. Dislike his fans um, because they're belligerent assholes. But I like, I like McGregor. Um, I, I like that McGregor, before the fight started, I don't know if you noticed this, told Jose Aldo in in uh, Portuguese, you're going to die. Oh, dude, I that was... that kind of bravado. I like... Yep, that was... Be- huh? When I saw that, it was funny because my wife hadn't seen that, and she was like, holy shit. It's like, you know what the fuck, you know the type of crazy that you got to be to Google Translate, I'm going to kill you in somebody's native language and tell them that. And yo, Jose Aldo looked at him like, yo, you really going there? Okay. And that's what happened. Like, like every, every piece of media, every weigh-in, every, every video, hell, even when Jose Aldo showed up at the Ultimate Fighter, everybody's like, oh, shit. It's like those guys brought an energy to the sport. That I hate to say it, it's like that that doesn't happen often. Like dudes wish they could no, bring that, that kind of energy. It's like Daniel Cormier wishes he could bring that energy to a fight. Any other champion. John, the, the difference between uh, a guy like Daniel Cormier and Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is going to be able to, to, I won't say do this every time he fights. But do something close to this, right? Well, I'm he, talking about the he's energy. Very good at getting under people's skin. Well, I'm talking yeah. about just the, the only energy. Person that Daniel Cormier can do this with is John Jones, because and Daniel that's Cormier about it. Hates John Jones exactly. <laughs> but but that's the thing. Like think about this. Conor McGregor went, and you remember this when he went to the press conference with all the other fighters, and he took over the press conference. That guy pretty much wrote his own ticket for every fight. For the next three years. Because he was like, I'll fight you. I'll fight you. Fuck you. You're a bitch. I'll kill you. I'll beat you. I'll go up and wait and whoop your ass and come down and wait and defend my belt and go up and wait and whoop your ass too. Like, like that guy has mastered the art of the cell. That wasn't ingrained in him by the UFC. He didn't get that out of a book. That's who that guy is. And every fighter both at 45 and 55, will do everything they can to get in the cage with him because they know they're getting paid. Exactly. And they want to beat him. Like, I mean, yeah, that's like, it. I don't want to undersell. Like, they, they also want to hurt him. Oh, yeah, of course. But that's the <laughs> point. It's like you're not getting into this. To, it's not fucking ballet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, look, I, I, was, incre- I was very impressed by uh, that. But I, I was very impressed by Connor. Um, the, the, the ability he has to, and he, he described it as creating dead space, but the ability he has to control distance, 
like I, I kind of discounted it. I, I didn't think in and like in and there's something else I want to say about this fight though is you really can't glean who is better. Nope, you cannot. This. Anybody uh, who says that is is and, insane. Yeah, and and and, and kind of fans. But you you really can't nope. <laughs> you really can't go off off an eight second fight and be like oh well Jose Aldo would have lost if they went five rounds or you don't know that and also Jose Aldo had never been knocked down before this it could be Jose Aldo's chin is gone or he could have been caught like that <laughs> we'll never know so um, I doubt they ever get a rematch because <laughs> the UFC is not big fans of Jose Aldo yep they're not. Um, so, they're not, but here's the thing. I'm sure they won't freeze him out of fighting or anything like that, but I doubt they give him an immediate rematch anyway. Well, here's here's how I look at it. This is a guy who hasn't lost in fucking years. We're talking years. This is a guy who won the belt in one organization, came to the org- other org- to the, a new organization, just ran through every challenger he had, ran into a guy that really defined him as a fighter, and... As much as people don't want to acknowledge this stuff, it's like the fate of both of these individuals is intertwined after this fight. It's like any fight that they have after this is still going to be on this level. And the reason is because you always have the what ifs, the woulda, coulda, shouldas. You're going to have instances where a McGregor is going to be like, yo, like all McGregor has to say at a press conference is like, yo, it took 13 seconds to put you to sleep, homie. Don't make me do it again. And Jose Aldo is going to get that fire lit under him again. And we're going to get magic again. Because you got to remember, at the end of the day, Jose Aldo's like, yo. And, and, and he said it already in interviews. He's like, yo, for me to process this, it's fucking hard. Because it's like all this talking, all this shit, you know, Conor McGregor calling his shot. Yo, I'm taking him out in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you couldn't, you couldn't have predicted a better story if you tried. But as somebody who, who, who's a fan of the sport, you cannot discount that you need, you know, every, every, every hero needs a villain. Jose Aldo needs Conor McGregor. Needs him. Because it's the only way that that division is going to be defined. It's based on those two guys. Yeah, Conor McGregor can fight Frankie Edgar, but you're not going to sell it the same way. Because when you're fighting a guy like Jose Aldo, there's national pride. You know what I mean? There's countries behind individuals. Countries. Not to say that, that Frankie Edgar won't have people behind him. But we live in a country where we, where we fucking strive to kill each other every day. <laughs> and I'm keeping, I'm keeping it real, dude. Like, like the, the, when Jose Aldo and, and Conor McGregor got on that scale, you saw countries represented. You had countries represented... In the, in the grandest scale possible. All because two guys put on four-ounce gloves and punch each other in the face for our enjoyment. These are the facts. Like, the only fight that can That's sell it... About, oh. No, the only thing I was going to say is the only fight that can sell it outside of, of, of another round with Aldo is McGregor going up to 55 and fighting Cerrone. Not even Dos Anjos, because that shit is... No one's going to care. I'd rather watch paint dry. Can't sell that. But Cerrone talks He's enough shit. Too. Yeah, but but <laughs> probably. But Cerrone talks enough shit that you can you can you can watch those two exchange jabs for half an hour and still be entertained. 
Yeah, I mean, and according to Connor, he is planning on moving up. So, yep, I, I think that what they're going to try to do is have him be a two division champion. Right. Uh, problem with that is though, is it's not like he's going to be able to just walk into 155 and beat a Dos Anjos or Donald Cerrone because that's who he'd be fighting. Right. Like, Dos Anjos just beat a fighter fairly similar to Connor. Maybe doesn't punch as hard, but fights a, a, a similar style. And he beat the hell out of Anthony Pettis. He did. The hell. He did. <laughs> he did. But here's the thing. And I and this is why I, I'm just I always I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take a break from doing any fight picks because when you when you look at this fight, you never in a million years, and this is just the way this sport works, never would have thought that Jose Aldo would have gone in there and got taken out in 13 seconds. On the contrary, we were watching a fight at UFC in the UFC gym, and my buddy Jimbo Slice was like, "Yo, man, Aldo's gonna kill this guy." Because that's that's what many of us, including myself, it's like, Connor, I like you. You're a cool dude. You know how to sell a fight. But Jose Aldo's Jose Aldo, and he's a fucking maniac, and he may kill you. Like, these are the facts, man. Anybody who's anybody that really knows the sport thought that in their heart of hearts. Sorry to say it. It's like, yeah, McGregor this. Everybody's Everybody's like, yeah, I had McGregor. Yeah, okay. I mean, when I, when I was looking at the fight, and, and, and Taylor can vouch for me, I was like, you know, I, I think Jota is going to win. Right. Um, but I couldn't really figure out how, per se. Right. Not that I didn't think it would be difficult for him. I just, because I, I didn't know if he could knock out Connor. So I thought, and I hoped, it would have been like a five-round war. I agree. Um, that, that was what I hoped. Um, unfortunately, it was the exact opposite. <laughs> it was, but you know what it is? It's like... You know, McGregor made an interesting point about timing and precision and, and all this stuff. And, and that's one thing that looking back at it and looking at his past fights, I mean, the dude is, the dude is laser beam accurate with his, with his striking. You can't, you can't even say, oh, you know, his striking is sloppy. That's, again, you know, people make the comparisons between boxing and MMA and, you know, MMA boxing, quote, well, MMA boxing, and I say it in quotes, is a different animal than the sweet science. It really is like you can't you, you can't you can't compare the two can't it's a different type of learning no, curve no, and the re- different things right on top of the fact <laughs> that it's it's a dedicated discipline like mixed martial artists are mixed martial artists they know you know 20 percent of this 30 percent of this 40 percent of this but it's again when your bread and butter is the one discipline you're never you know the odds of you losing on the one discipline is tough unless the other person's just better at that discipline you know, great example. How many times did GSP out wrestle Division One wrestlers? Countless, because he was time. just yeah, exactly. Because he just took that and he became better at that. In Conor McGregor's case, the guy has fluid movement, very very accurate pinpoint striking, and the only way you're going to beat a guy like him is you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna beat you're gonna beat him to the punch and try and take him out. Or take him down because I still don't. Yeah, his wrestling is terrible. It's like also his bottom game is non-existent. Yep, it's like it's like what you know. Jimbo Slice just said comparing MMA to boxing is like comparing football to hockey. These are the facts. 
basically. You know? Basically. Similar, but completely different. It, it, the thing the thing that gets me, and you know, we'll, we'll jump into the news after this, is the fact that so many people want to sweep Jose Aldo under the rug. And that's what's really had me annoyed this past week. It's like, oh, you see... Jose Aldo got exposed. Jose Aldo's been whooping ass of uh, whooping the ass of the guys in the top of that division for fucking years. There was zero exposure there. Just ask Uriah Faber, Frankie Edgar, Chad Mendez. Oh yeah, I don't know the guys that are ranked in the up in the utmost of that division. Two and just as two and three, being McGregor. I mean, uh, Mendez and Edgar about fighting Jose Aldo. You go ask them and and see if they tell you, like, yo, that dude will fuck you up. You can ask the <laughs> Kenny Florian. There uh, you go. Ricardo Lamas. Uh, Korean Zon. Like, he's beaten Mark Hominick. He's beaten a who's who yep. at featherweight. And it's very unfortunate that people are not really registering how historically great Jose Aldo is. Yep, and that's and that's what annoys me. That's why when people are like, "Well, you know, Jose Aldo deserves an immediate rematch or doesn't deserve an immediate rematch," it doesn't matter whether he does or he doesn't. You have to respect the fact that the guy hadn't lost in in fifteen fucking years, and did not get a chance to showcase his skills due to a thirteen second punch. Whether it was a lucky punch or a non lucky punch or whatever the case may be, you don't know. And again. Nope. The money, the money is on the table for a second fight, easily. You can you can build this fight just as well with with the with the same level of enthusiasm from both guys because all McGregor has to say is exactly what I said. Yo, I put you out in thirteen seconds. You want to go again? Like all he's got to do is and and no, all joking aside, all it takes is a phone call. Jose, yo, let's do this again. You ready for the bullshit? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's do it. Like that's all it takes, man. It's all it takes. Phone call. Yo, we gonna make you. We gonna you. Re, you want to get paid? Fuck it. Let's get paid. Yeah, um, we'll see though. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know how much the UFC wants to deal with Jose. Again. Yeah, I know. The, 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 but that's um, just Dana White being a, a fucking fickle bitch. I mean, he's the same guy that was like, oh well, you know, he's probably gonna fight Frankie next. But McGregor, it's like what somebody said. Uh, on a group a couple of days ago. Somebody said, yo, Dana White doesn't give fucking Conor McGregor orders. You know? Conor McGregor no, gives no. Dana White fucking orders. No, it, he did. Like, if Conor McGregor is, like, 100%, like, I'm not cutting back down to featherweight, ever. Right. I'm going to 155. Like, there's nothing. They're not going to tell him no. Right. <laughs> but here's but here's the thing. Lorenzo Fertitta said something very interesting. He goes, Oh, Conor McGregor has the makings of a guy that can make $100 million. Oh, really? Thanks for letting us know that. That clearly means that you guys are fucking, you know, counting counting the fucking ducats from this fight. So, it, it, you okay. know, like, like Jimbo Slice just said, a 15-year reign is enough of a rematch. Those guys can sell it and probably eclipse this one. And if you put it on the UFC 200 card coupled with, you know, Jones and D.C., Holmes and you know Holmes and Rousey, Holmes and Rousey, and you know Rockhold and fucking whoever at this point, you'll be fine. That will be a ridiculously long card. Fuck it, I'll take it, dude. Five title fights. 
Well, wasn't UFC 100 close to that anyway? What do we have? Three fights on the uh, 100 card? Three title fights? Three title fights? Lesnar and Mir. Yep. Uh, GSP and Tiago Alves. Right. I don't, I don't, I'm thinking it was only two title fights. I don't think it was three. Uh, little, uh, Google foo real quick. Um, Lesnar and Mir, GSP and Alves, Fitch and Paulo Tiago, Dan Henderson and Bisping. And, uh, yeah, it was two fights, two title fights. Oh, John Jones fought Jake (laughs) O'Brien. Yep, that was like John Jones' like second fight in the UFC. Yep, but still two title fights, and then you had some some decent fights on there. But dude, you put three fight title fights on there, forget it. I mean, they they want to go big with this card, so that that would be the way to do it. Yep, but it's like it's like Jimbo Slice said. Dana's problem is he's he's a fucking child, very spiteful, and it's true. It's like you said, he he may not want to deal with Jose Aldo just on the strength of Jose Aldo being his own man. You know, like he may just be like, fuck you, you know, whatever, which is stupid because, again, money. <laughs> yes, but Dana White has done a lot of stupid shit. Yep, so. that's <laughs> he's the he's the VP of dumb shit. But um, just to switch gears on to the just some of the MMA news to wrap things up. Um, Holly Holm was saying that she wanted to take a fight before. You know, her fight with Ronda Rousey, and it was funny because they were, you know, they were like, oh, well, you know, I'll take a fight with Misha Tate. And the UFC was like, uh, nah, pump your brakes. And the reason, and it's funny because Holly Holmes, Holly Holm was like, yo, I'd like to fight only because in 10 years straight, I did, you know, in 10 years of, of during my career, my 10 year career, I would fight four fights a year. So to wait eight months is not something that I'm normally accustomed to. And, and it's crazy They're that it's like, yo, she's got it. Huh? They're not going to let her fight anybody. Yeah, I know, but but again, this goes back to what we were saying. It's like you're willing you're willing to pour everything into this card, and that's fine. But an eight month layoff, it, it almost feels like you want her to lose. <laughs> they do now, exactly. It's like <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, you kind you guys are giving her a kind of a long layoff, but do you want her to lose? I mean, Val says Misha Tate ain't beating her, but still, puncher's chance, ladies and gents. Punches chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Misha Tate would beat her. Oh, let me say that. I don't think Misha Tate would beat the version of Holly Holm that showed up and fought Ronda Rousey. Nope. Although there's been a version of Ronnie, Holly Holm that showed up and fought everybody else before this that Misha Tate would probably beat. But, so, like I said, when when, when, when Holly Holm beat Rousey, uh, I, I guess this is who she really is, fighting-wise, but we don't know that until she fights somebody else. But, if I was her, I'd be really angling for another fight. I I wouldn't want to sit on the shelf for eight months either. Nope. Um, that it, that's not it's not really fair considering I destroyed Ronda Rousey. Yep. Like, on top of the fact, wasn't close, dude. On on top yeah. of the fact that it's it, it's such a blatant setup, dude. Like, oh yeah, sit home for eight months. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's clearly like <laughs> they want. <laughs> To, to do the rematch, and yep. and also if Rousey loses, she probably never fighting again. So. Probably not. Squeeze squeeze that booger out that quarter. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, to wrap things up, we got we got a big fight night this weekend. Uh, Cerrone Dos Anjos, um, 
Overeem, JDS, the return of Nick Diaz. Um, I just want to kind of just use those three fights. Nick Diaz and and Michael Johnson. I think Nick Diaz is going to come in and try and make a statement because he's been off for a minute. But Michael Johnson has been on a tear. So that fight could go either way. But I think if it goes to the ground, Nick Diaz is choking him out. Yeah, if it goes to the ground on the feet, um, I think the uh, blueprint has been laid to fight the Diaz brothers. Only thing is, I don't think Michael Johnson can fight that way. Nope. Like he he's a forward pressure fighter, right? And um, <clears throat> it'll be interesting how the fight plays out with him and th- them both basically going straight forward at each other. I think I think that Nate Diaz is going to try his hardest to talk that shit, <laughs> and um, I think that's going to be a, a key factor in how this fight goes. I think the shit talking is something that is is going to definitely set the set the pace, only because Michael Johnson's going in there with a with a guy who, you know, again, Nate, the Diaz brothers aren't about knockout power; they're about punches and bunches. And I think that when it comes to that, Michael Johnson's going to have his hands full. Yeah, it should be a good fight. As for JDS and Overeem, I think Overeem's taking that nap. <laughs> Period. Most Period. It's like, it's like, hey, nice to know you. Take this nap. And it's funny because he's like, yeah, I've been thinking about exploring free agency. You do that. <laughs> well, I mean, hell, Bellator sign him. Like, you know they, they would. They will give him dumb amounts of money to sign with them. Yep. So, JDS is my pick. Uh, Cerrone Dosanjos, uh, Tough one to call, but I think Cerrone's running on another on another gear. I think we might see that title change Saturday. Um, I actually just watched their first fight um, on YouTube like a couple days ago. They put it up on YouTube. Uh, UFC did. Um, it'd be interesting. It, 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 I, I want to see what Cerrone does differently this time. Um, in the fight, because I can see him winning, but I, I, I want to see if he does what what he does differently against Dos Anjos that he didn't do the first time. Um, so I, I could see the title change of hands, though. Yeah, I, I kind of see that, and like I said, I, I I'm I'm curious, and and we'll we'll use this as as kind of just to bring it full circle. We'll see we'll see if McGregor's in the stands for this fight. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, is it in Vegas? Huh. Is the fight card in Vegas? Uh Orlando. Oh, well. Well, he still be there. So it'd be interesting to see if he's there. Makes you makes you wonder, because I, I swear if they show him in the fucking stands, I'm like, I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. Simple as that. And then of course in January, Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit are gonna bleed for us. Because that's pretty much that. I cannot wait for that fight. That fight is gonna be <laughs> ridiculous. Those guys are gonna beat the so, it's almost guaranteed somebody's taking a nap. Like, we joke about it, and you and I joke about this stuff all the time, but when guys like Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit get in there, that's where it's going. And in Robbie Lawler's case, the percentage of it happening is quite high. And if someone isn't going to take a nap, like Carlos Condit is going to um, put on some kind of striking clinic, because even if he doesn't knock you out, like, he's still beating you up <laughs> yeah I, i'm telling you somebody's gonna get the uh the rick flair crimson mask <laughs> yep <laughs> that's 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 what's gonna happen but um with that said um just to 
kind of wrap up the the MMA for the year. Uh, best fight of the year, in your opinion? Mm, best fight of the year. Hmm, it's a great question. Uh, probably Robbie Lawler versus uh Roy, Roy McDonald. McDonald. That's you beat me. You yeah, beat me that, to it. That was a great fight. Everything about that fight was textbook, think, man. Yeah, I think that would be my fight of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. In terms of um, you know, performer performer of the year, I definitely got to say it's 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 a big it's it's crazy, but I got to say Demetrius Johnson, just because the guy's consistently gone in there, got the job done, even though people walk out of his fights, he's consistently put on clinics in every fight. The only guy that, like you said, was John Dodson, and John Dodson got dismantled. So, you know, definitely uh, 2015's breakout dude, you know, fighter of the year, in, our, in my opinion, was was Demetrius Johnson. You can't you can't even write a better blueprint. Um, I, I would agree with that, but uh, for me, it's Joanna. Oh well, uh, <laughs> Joanna, Joanna Jadezic. Yeah, she, she, but she's. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce her last name. <laughs> uh, she's, you know, what's funny? She's, she's a rare breed of fighter, as, as in, you know, her, her star just came. She, she came out of nowhere. Her stock rose very quickly, and she approaches the fight game like a man. Like she's ready to go in there and bleed, you know, without, without even, without even thinking about it. Yeah, and like she, she. She's so violent. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. That's, that's my favorite. Like she, she's out here trying to hurt these girls. Yep, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and I don't know. Like her, her, her fights this year have all been pretty much one-sided beatings, and um, I've just been really impressed with her. There you go. All right. Um, can we expect uh, Black is the New Black this week, or are you guys taking a holiday break too? Yeah. Saturday, we're gonna try to get one. If, if uh, we're gonna try to uh, record one on Saturday, if we if we don't end up uh, recording one, I'll let you know. But that's mo that is that is the plan as of right as of earlier today when I talked to Taylor. Awesome. As always, you know, um, bitnb on Tumblr uh, at blackout89 yep. on Twitter. Anything else you want to add? No, that's it, man. Brother, I appreciate the assist this evening. I of course will be in touch. But if not, I will. I'll see you in 2016. <laughs> All right, man. All right, brother. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Ben. Follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. Make sure to look on RageWorks.net for past episodes of uh, the Black Is the New Black podcast. Of course, there will be a new. There, odds are there will be a new episode this weekend. If not, obviously, keep it locked to RageWorks.net and our Facebook fan page for any updates. All right, uh, definitely, uh, like I said, it was a lengthy MMA segment. I knew we were going to go that route only because there were three cards, lots of MMA news to discuss, and uh, we're going to keep the ball rolling and shift gears and jump into some wrestling. Booker T, take us away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga! All right, we had we had three cards this past week that need to be addressed. Obviously, TLC, the Raw from Monday night, and NXT. Not going to do the match by match recap, the 
match-by-match recap obviously doesn't make sense. You guys know the deal. But I do want to talk about some of the high points and low points of the matches uh, of the events themselves. On the WWE TLC side, uh, definitely some solid, solid matches. Which is crazy because, as I've said in previous shows, you did not expect a quote-unquote filler pay-per-view to deliver not only stellar matches, but just some solid storytelling for once. I mean, considering that we were coming into this pay-per-view with some really, really low raw ratings, and on top of that, just a, a large dissatisfaction from wrestling fans, both casual and, and hardcore, showed you that WWE knows how to kind of bring you back in when necessary. I mean, their kickoff match for that evening, of course, was Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. And you guys know that these ladies are capable of delivering magic um, on the NXT stage. On the pay-per-view side, I felt that their match was a little disjointed, uh, not as good as their previous outings, but a solid opener, which bothered me because, like I said, we've seen their work in NXT. We know Sasha Banks is capable of delivering a stellar match, and Becky Lynch is not a slouch, but it just felt disjointed. I'm thinking just because of the timing issues. I mean, the match was roughly 10 minutes long, give or take, and it just didn't resonate and have the same style that we saw in NXT, and I think that was a big part of it. I think that creative, especially when it comes to putting together matches, needs to let these ladies go out there and do what they do best. Unfortunately, I still feel that there are shackles on both Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch in this situation, and I'm hoping that as the year winds down, we start seeing a shift in that direction towards more more freedom and more creativity in the ring. We shall see what happens another high point gotta gotta throw it out to the triple threat ladder match which not only was just stellar but just showed that if you if you take the right elements put them in the right match and just let them go out there and have a great time you're gonna get something special uh this match not only showcased that the lucha dragons are incredibly talented in the high risk environment but it also showed that the new day is more than just a a comedy gimmick and really gels together with both the Usos and the Lucha Dragons and can deliver stellar, stellar storytelling. I mean, the ending alone with Xavier Woods throwing the trombone at Kalisto was comedic in every sense of the word, but was something that you would expect when you're dealing with a team like the New Day. The spots in this match were tremendous. I mean, uh... Kalisto doing the Salido del Sol off the ladder, breaking the ladder on the bottom was ridiculous. Uh, Pretty much a spot that really made you question if somebody got hurt for real. It was, it was, it was ridiculous. It was beautiful. It was violent. And again, it just recaptured that magic that we're familiar with from previous outings. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, the ladder matches have been overdone. The TLC matches have been overdone, but sometimes it's just a matter of taking the right elements, or in this case, the right superstars, and applying that that really, really good energy to bring something special into the mix. I think that these three teams definitely did that, and I think that if you're going to continue to expand and build the tag team division, these three teams are definitely the cornerstones of that division. Um, a case can be made for, for Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, 
but I don't know what creative is doing with them. Um, the Lucha Dragons definitely did not fail to deliver. That's for damn sure. And I'm hoping to see them in more high-profile matches in the future. Now, on the lower side of things, Rusev versus Ryback was just a, tra- a travesty from start to finish. And the reason I say this is because while Rusev is a competent wrestler, he is incapable, at least at this juncture, of carrying someone to a good match. I feel that Ryback excels in matches where his opponents have a deeper toolbox, a, be- a better skill set, because they're able to tell a better story. Uh, this definitely was the case, in my opinion. I felt that this match was more something that you would see on Raw and SmackDown versus something that was worth a pay-per-view purchase, or in this case, uh, worth being added to a pay-per-view card. The same can be said for Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger. I felt that that match was lacking. I, I understand that there was storytelling there because of Zeb Coulter, but I think when you're bringing in a guy like Del Rio and you're putting him in the in a hardcore environment, you can na- pretty much on one hand look at five other guys that could have given us a better match than Jack Swagger. I understand that it was the easy the easy way out with the Zeb Coulter feud, but I just felt that the match was just very disjointed. And these guys have wrestled before in, in you know in cases where Del Rio was the face and Swagger was the heel, and it still it still wasn't that great of a match. And in this case, it still applies. I think they they just don't they just don't gel well together. That's for sure. Now, the eight man elimination match was exactly what you would expect. Uh, typical ECW hardcore fair with um, a lot of great spots, but it's like I, I said to to my buddy Josh, who many of you know writes for the site. I said to him, I'm like, this match was indicative of not only catering to the specialties of, you know, the Dudleys, but it was also a way to hide a lot of the glaring flaws in some of the other participants. Because in terms of wrestling ability, Luke Harper and Bray Wyatt are probably the better wrestlers of the duo. Uh, Same could be said for the Dudleys, I think. Bubba is a better is a better wrestler. Devon is a better storyteller. Dreamer is a better wrestler. Rhino is a better storyteller. And because of that, this match played to a lot of their strengths and really was a, a very crucial to hide a lot of their weaknesses. I think guys like Eric Rowan and Braun Strowman, while they're good in the roles that they have, they're just not capable of working a match that'll make people feel invested. But by hiding it in the hardcore environment, you're you're able to get just something a little bit better out of these guys. And I think this is what needed to be done in this case. Obviously, you know, people marked out as soon as they saw the lighter fluid and we hoped that someone would get powerbombed through a flaming table. Obviously, that was not the case. But I felt that the end result with the Wyatt family winning just needed to be done. I think that giving the win to Team Extreme, you, you, you don't need it. I think that the Wyatt family as a unit are capable of being a bigger, a bigger, playing a bigger role in WWE programming. And I think that utilizing them to put over uh, a part timer like Dreamer or a veteran like Rhino who really doesn't need it 
or even veteran guys like the Dudleys, it's 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 doing more harm than good. So while the match itself was pretty academic, like I said, very hardcore, excuse me, standard hardcore fare, I will say that the end result was the right way to go. Simple as that. High point for me, I see title match, tremendous storytelling. I really hope that we can see a lot more of Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose only because there's tremendous chemistry there, great storytelling, and and just a really good dynamic between these guys. I think that if there's anybody that can bring out a little something extra out of Kevin Owens, it's it's a guy like Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose is has as of late been a background player mostly for all the stuff involving Roman Reigns, but when you give him a chance to shine and put him in there with a with a capable opponent, where we really do see something special and the fact that it carried over into Raw, which I'll get into in a moment, was you know just a step in the right direction. And like I said, I hope to see more of that. On the low side, the Divas Championship match. Again, two women that have a great skill set, are capable of working well together. Just the match, again, disjointed, not as good in terms of chemistry. And... I just I just expected more, and that was definitely the case here. Obviously, the shenanigans with Flair and all the stuff we know that it's all it's all part of the inevitable Charlotte heel turn. I just felt that this match was not a match to that showcased the Divas Revolution. I just felt that it was fuel for the inevitable Charlotte heel turn and did nothing for either participant, which is a shame because. You thought that by putting the belt on Charlotte, we would be seeing uh, the same level of of masterful storytelling that we saw in NXT. Unfortunately, you know the 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 petty squabbles and the and the you know the the questionable promos from Paige have really just been the main drivers in this feud, and it really is something that the buildup was more was was better than the payoff itself. That's all I'm saying. As for the TLC match, the TLC match was exactly what you would expect. We knew that you were going to see interference uh, from the League of Nations. Obviously, it was a no-brainer. I think that the story was well-conceived. It was well It was well thought out. Uh, Sheamus actually carried that match and allowed Roman Reigns to look better than he has in, in most of these environments. I think that the performance from Sunday night was the measuring stick for which Roman Reigns is going to be looked at going forward. And that's that. And it's pretty much what I, what I've said before. If you put Roman Reigns in there with a guy who's semi decent and capable of a decent match and is, is able to work a stronger, more aggressive style, then you're capable of, you're capable of getting a good match. I mean, Sheamus isn't exactly setting, setting the ring on fire with his wrestling, but he's a power wrestler that makes his offense look incredibly believable. He, he he makes, you know, a lot of the shots he delivers are very stiff. It really looks like there's a genuine fight going on when he's involved. I mean, when Sheamus match when Sheamus ends, you know, comes out of a match, he's scratched, bloody, bruised. I mean, a lot of it can be due to the fact that he's pale as a fucking sheet of paper, but it's also because it's a very physical smash mouth style of wrestling that he uses. And I think that was just something that made Reigns look better in this instance. 
That's not saying that Reigns was the better wrestler. I just feel that Reigns was capable of telling a better story because of the way that the match was structured. And overall, I felt that because of that, the match, the match was as good as you would expect, but it was really the payoff afterwards that, that solidified where WWE is going. And that is that they're investing heavily in the Roman Reigns train. Now, Obviously, they've been starting and stopping his pushes for quite some time, but his attack on Triple H and his attack on on you know the League of Nations and Sheamus after the match showed that we're getting into this more aggressive, you know, take no shit, no nonsense guy. And I think it's a step in the right direction. I I still say that Roman Reigns needs to be himself in these promos because you can see when somebody is writing, you know, when somebody ghost writes. His promos, you can see them based on delivery and the emotion behind them. What we saw at the end of the at the end of the night was a guy who got screwed out of his title based on management and the you know the members of a faction becoming involved and just a litany of screw jobs left and right. And the guy hit his breaking point. I think they did a stellar job in reinforcing that and bringing it full circle. Now, is it something that? Is it was the right thing or the wrong thing to do? It, at this case, like I said, TLC is a, is kind of a throwaway pay per view, so I think that it was good to lay the foundation. But when I go into Raw in a moment, we're gonna really see that it was meant to come full circle. Overall, like I said, I felt TLC was an incredibly solid pay per view, consider, considering that the lead up to it was incredibly lackluster. So definitely good job by WWE with the TLC match. Like I said, the uh, with the TLC pay-per-view um, high points, definitely um, the tag team match, Stellar, Ambrose, and uh, Owens was tremendous. And the main event in terms of just storytelling and, and turning it up uh, definitely succeeded. Low points, like I said, Rusev and Ryback was... was not good. Uh, Swagger and, and Del Rio could have been better, but it wasn't. And the Divas match, the Divas title match was was fucking it, it just not what you would expect considering who was involved. Simple as that. Anyway, Slick says, Triple H taking that ass whoop and stole the show for me. I agree. I think that Triple H needed, but but again, this goes back to what I said before. You needed to go that route because you needed to do something with Roman Reigns that would make the crowd really become invested. The problem with with the crowd has been that they know that Roman Reigns is being spoon-fed to them by force. But by lining things up and putting the proper pieces in place, it makes it look like it was all part of the plan for Triple H to cost Roman Reigns the belt. And, of course, this obviously has the potential to set up a match with Reigns and Triple H, which maybe he needs it, maybe he doesn't, it depends. But I think with Roman Reigns, and I've said this before, you need to put him in there with guys that are better than him in order for him to continue to evolve as a performer. His mic work is still shit, don't misunderstand. But the only way that he's going to get better is by putting him in situations where he has to be himself, which leads me into Raw, which, you know, for a post-pay-per-view Raw I was pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff they did. Um, you know, the the slap, the slaps from Stephanie McMahon, the emotion that we saw from Stephanie McMahon definitely drove the point home. 
I also feel that the name drop and the involvement of Vince McMahon was crucial for this. I mean, it reflected in the ratings. It reflected in the environment. And my issue with it is that you had to bring out the big guns in order to make people give a shit. And this goes back to what I've said before about WWE creating compelling stars that will make you want to tune in. When you drop, excuse me, when you name drop Vince McMahon showing up, people are going to tune in because Vince is, is an enigma. He is a character that is capable of turning the tide on any show, be it Raw or SmackDown. Because with Vince, you don't know what you're going to get. Are you going to get evil Mr. McMahon? Are you going to get take no nonsense Vince, you know, face Vince? It, it, it's, it's a gamble. But either way you slice it, you're getting compelling television. And that's one of the things that definitely was needed as of late because Raw Raw has not been good. It hasn't. And like I, you know, it's one of those things where you can blame a dozen things. You could blame creative. You could blame the wrestlers. But I'll be honest, it's easier to blame the wrestlers because people look at it with a broad stroke. I always feel that the, the blame should fall solely on creative and Vince and, and management. And the reason is because the wrestlers go out there and they're told what needs to be done for the night. And either they go out there and it works and they gel together and they deliver good matches or they don't. But at the end of the day, they're still following orders from Vince and creative creative crafts, the story Vince agrees with it or doesn't. And the wrestlers go out there and execute. So, while it is very easy to come out here and say, yeah, you know, Roman Reigns fucking sucks. He's terrible. He is. He does have glaring, glaring weaknesses. Promo work, five moves of doom, whatever. But, you know, you're taking a guy who's who's essentially a trashy novel cover model and trying to turn him into a household name. You know, you're trying to make a chicken salad out of chicken shit. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But what happens is, and I've said this before, it's all about the wrestler in terms of can they take it to the next level? Yeah, creative gets blamed and management gets blamed and that's fine. But, and Jay has said this before, it's up to the wrestler to take the brass ring too. Like, you can go out there and have a shitty angle, but redeem that angle with a great match. It has happened on more than one occasion. But you can also go out there and... Be a, be a shitty worker in the ring, have shitty mic work, but creative will make you, will try and find a way to make you look good. In Roman Reigns' case, he falls into the, the category of, we're going to spoon feed you this guy, and we're going to put as many pieces in place as possible to make him a star. And some people, they react well to that, and some people don't. You know, Vince McMahon and WWE, they know what they're doing. They do good, bad or otherwise, we either hate it or we love it, but we still watch it. And in, and in that and in that, you know, looking at it that way, my friends, they 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 always win. Now. I will say this, when you look at the attitude era, which people love to, to, to compare things to, there were a litany of things that were working. Creative was running on a different level. They were taking a lot of risks. You had a D, a D, a different talent pool that was decent in one shit in one capacity or another. But in the same instance, there were a lot of guys who were fucking questionable as fuck. Like you look at the rock, the rock is a great example, especially because they compare Roman reigns to him 
often. The Rock, his wrestling was okay. It was okay. His opponents made him look good. But what made The Rock stand out was he was an entertainer. He was a guy that was capable of going out there and talking for 15 minutes and you were glued to the television because he he had that it factor. He had that one thing that made people want to notice him. Roman Reigns is a pretty face, but he doesn't have that it. He doesn't have that intangible that makes you that that compels you to want to watch this guy on your television. And that's not something. Yeah, sure. You can you can put titles on him. You can write the best promos for him. But that it factor. You just have it. It can't be described. It's the same way that Vince, who is the CEO of a company, the owner of a company, can come out there and have you glued to the edge of your seats, call one of his performers a son of a bitch, and everybody just marks out. Because it's one of those things that Vince has it. He is the master of having it. Now, is it good or bad if he's on TV? It's open to interpretation, but Vince has it. Anyway, high points and low points. Ziggler and Ambrose. Obviously, the ending of this match was is leading to the inevitable triple threat due to Kevin Owens' involvement, but I I had no problem with this match. I think that these guys can go out there and and really work um you know, given enough time and and a, and a genuine feud are capable of delivering a stellar match, but um I I'll tell you what, what really ruined this match was the fucking commentary team. They were fucking abysmal on Monday night and they really made it they made it they made it really really bad on top of the fact that Ambrose's spots in this match, you can see them from a mile away. And it's it wasn't like his match with Owens that just told a better story. It almost felt like him and Ziggler were going out there and just having a spot fest. Like that's really what it was and yeah, I you know, that that's that's what Ziggler's known for. But you don't want a match like that between two guys that are better than that. Simple. You know, it's as simple as that. You really don't. You know, you don't need a spot fest from each of these guys in 2015. Both are capable of telling a good story, but instead we'd rather go that route and, and just, you know, comment, have the commentary really just make it shittier than it was. Simple as that. Uh, there goes the Blog Talk Radio call drop. Hold on a second. Let me dial back in. Welcome to Blog To start your show now. Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Ah, uh, we can always expect... Blog Talk Radio to shit the bed, and of course they did. I figured we would leave 2015 without any call drops. Sucks that we got one, but in any case, as I said, um, you know, I just I, I felt that to have such a spot fest between Ambrose and and Reigns just it wasn't the move. Now the r truth match with uh, the r truth and Bo Dallas match, which led to Vince coming out, was probably the most awkward thing I've ever seen. And the reason is because think about it. You're told to go out there, have a, have a, have a decent match. 
and your job is to essentially get thrown the fuck out. <laughs> like that was really it. It's like, hey, you guys are gonna go out there and fill five minutes, and Vince is gonna throw you out. And like Slick just said, Vince gets super props for taking that ass whooping after having that hip replacement even scripted. You know, it, it, it's true. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff about Vince that you gotta love. I mean, player coach being one of them. You know, he'll he'll go in there and mix it up. His promo, his promo with with Roman Reigns was tremendous. I really, you could feel the energy that was there. And again, it helped Roman Reigns turn it up a little bit. You know, he when he's like, "Damn it, don't you smile at me, damn it!" And and Roman Reigns is like, "Yo, old man, what the fuck wrong with you?" Like like there was a lot of there was really a lot. There, there was a lot that was done there that worked, that helped Roman Reigns, but you needed Vince to do it. Like, Triple H doing it, it comes off as Triple H still being a wrestler. Like, nobody does evil owner better than Vince. Nobody does it. And like, nobody does evil owner better than Vince. Like, Triple H tries to do it, and Stephanie McMahon tries to emulate it, but Vince is the gold standard of evil owners. If there was any other person that was close to that is Dario Cueto on Lucha Underground in terms of just villainy. And and of course the 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 uh the nut shot from Vince to Roman Reigns was just a little added bonus cuz that just shows that you know you may be big, you you may be bigger, you may be younger, you may be stronger, but a kick in the balls is a great equalizer. And I think that that was one of those things that really worked in this situation. Um, again, Rusev and Ryback was just, just fucking terrible. Um, you know, even with Del Rio and Swagger involved, it was again, just no chemistry. I don't know if they're trying to create a tag team with Rusev and Del Rio, and maybe that's where we're going, but the match again, just, it was pretty much taking the two, the two subpar matches and lumping them together in a tag match, hoping that it would be better. It wasn't. Simple as that. Tyler Breeze and Neville's match, it was... Uh, these guys, they they, they're, they were stellar in NXT, and WWE's pretty much neutered uh, Adrian Neville to the point where he's just not unwatchable, but the addition of The Miz to this entire, sh- you know, this entire angle, just, it's not doing anyone any favors. Not, not a high point for me at all. Um... We got a do-over with the Extreme Rules match, obviously, for the Philly crowd. Um, same level of violence, same crazy spots. A fun match overall, and I think that it was done for fan service, and I got no problem with that. Um, the the Divas tag match, fucking terrible. And just, again, just fuel to the fire for, for the Charlotte turn. Not 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 a good moment. And, of course, the, uh, the title match, Sheamus and Roman Reigns, um, which was set up with the angle from with Vince was really good. It was it was really good, and the payoff, the payoff with with Roman obviously getting the belt, um, Vince McMahon eating a Superman punch. There was there was a lot of good storytelling. Uh, Reigns really went the extra mile, not only in terms of just telling a, a decent story, but mixing it up with Vince. I mean. A Superman punch to Vince and kicking Vince out of the ring. It really showed the uh, the brash upstart, you know, taking it to the the the, the conniving boss 
Uh, like Vince said, Vince engaging the ref took it back to the Austin days. I agree. I think that they're going to try and replicate that to a point with Roman and, and the McMahons. I don't know if that's really the direction you want to go in. I don't think that Roman is as compelling as Stone Cold Steve Austin, but stranger things have happened. But again, the narrative of, you know, face versus evil owner is one that, you know, it's a trope that we've seen before, but with proper execution definitely has the tools uh, to deliver a, a stellar, you know, a stellar payoff. Now, is Roman going to remain champion all the way to Mania? I don't think that's the case, but I think that Roman Reigns is definitely going to be chasing the belt in some capacity in 2016. I think that this was just a good way to close it out with the Slammies happening next week. I think it's a good way to to leverage that as an oh-my-God moment. But um, we'll see what happens. I think that Vince's involvement was a big part of why Raw was solid this week. Um, we did get a fair amount of rehash matches from Sunday night, which some people weren't a fan of. I mean, I, I like I said, I found a lot, a lot of them weren't that good to begin with. And then recycling them on Monday, either in tag format or in something else, just just didn't do us any favors either but i think that the bulk of the stuff with mcmahon and roman reigns and sheamus was good i think that you know the new day as usual looked solid the angle they had with the usos and um with the lucha dragons was solid obviously adding fuel to the fire that um we will be seeing these guys mix it up again but not not a terrible episode of raw i mean the ratings definitely had a had a big boost uh, Vince, Vince draws, man. Vince is important. And like I said before, that's good and bad. It's good because obviously the, the, the higher rating is good. Bad because you still need to bring in a 70 year old character to, to really, to, to really force everyone else to turn it up a notch. That's, that's just bad. That's just bad business in my opinion. And I think that what they did with Vince was, was good to help Roman get the belt and to turn that Philly crowd, which cheer was cheering him heavily, but don't, don't go, don't keep going to the well. Like let's move past it and now have Roman reigns overcoming the obstacles to retain his title. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, switching gears want to go into NXT. I know that I'm kind of sprinting to the finish, but I I'm, I'm really trying not to do three hours trying to avoid it. But in any case, um, NXT TakeOver London was fucking stellar. What a stellar show. Uh, two hours of just really, really great storytelling, great wrestling. Um, the opening match with, with Asuka and Emma was not only a very, very well executed match, but there were a lot of stiff shots in that match or a lot of really good, uh, Japanese strong style storytelling and i thought you know i gotta commend emma for that and and asuka only because you know emma was saddled with a real shitty gimmick when she was on the main roster and you know she's she's reinvented herself dana brooke has been a good part of that and it, it really showed in that match there was so much you know substantial storytelling great great wrestling and um i appreciated it you know asuka was was to, to quote Slick, was amazing in that match. Uh, really, like I said, really good storytelling. But you can you can split that honor with Emma 
for for just giving us something amazing and getting the ball rolling right. Uh, the crowd was was super into the match. Lots of great chants and and tremendous spots. Where these ladies go from there, you know, I'll address in a few minutes. But I felt that it was it was a stellar stellar opening. The NXT tag team match, much like the opener, was really good. I think that um, Dash and Dawson are are tremendous. Um, I was a little bummed that Enzo and Cass didn't win. But I think that this is just being done to build the anticipation for these guys finally getting the straps. I'm, um, you know, I definitely want to get into it and say that the match itself was, um, it, it definitely delivered in terms of wrestling and entertainment value. But I felt that giving giving Enzo and Cast the, the belts would have just been a better way to do it. I mean, when is the next takeover event? Are you guys? going to pull the trigger when you guys do a takeover event in the States? Are you guys going to hold it off till mania? I mean, who knows, but I know slick wants to chime in. Let me bring him in to uh, help us go through this and wrap things up. Slick. What's up, buddy? What's up, man? Uh, you know, NXT takeover, you know, for, for a show that aired at three o'clock in the afternoon, they, they were, they were running on all cylinders, man, from start to finish, from bell to bell. Yeah, I mean, of course, it was eight there, but for us, it was three. I saw it at eight because, you know, I was at work and everything. I think, basically, what they the, the reason why they didn't give them the belts, I mean, I don't dislike them, but I'm not a big fan of Enzo and Kenneth just because fuck Staten Island. Um <laughs> I think that they they wanna they they wanted to wait for any title changes till they they came back home. Like that show was mainly just to, like you mentioned earlier, it's like it was just fan service. It, it was kind of like, uh, I mean, every NXT show is a house show, but right. <laughs> even though this is one of the one of the biggest crowds ever, it it was just like a house show. So it wasn't meant to to um to have any belts hands and um I, I still think they it wasn't nearly as as good as say like the um the Brooklyn show right but it wasn't bad at all no I think that the UK crowd you gotta you gotta look at it this way the the United Kingdom and, and Europe in general when it comes to wrestling you know they have they have their own it, it there there's a different culture when it comes to wrestling in the UK, the same way that it's a different culture for wrestling in Japan. I mean, even the chants, most of them, some were, were, were similar to what we hear here in the States, but you know, they, they just have a different vibe, but they appreciated the work put in by, by the participants. I mean, Dash and Dawson, and, and they say this all the time, and you can even see it in the way they wrestle. It's a throwback to the teams that we grew up watching, you know, teams, teams like the, the brain busters, um, you know, money yeah, ink. They were saying that too. Yep. Like you could see it. You can see it in their in their presentation. I do feel that Kaz and Enzo, they work well together and they're they're let me put it like this. They gel with pretty much every team on the NXT roster. But the problem is that by delaying a delaying them winning the belts, while it is gonna make for a stellar story. The problem is that you don't want the teams, the team themselves, to lose luster. 
You know what I mean? Like, like these guys are on a, are running on a different level, on a different wave. And you want to make it that when these guys win the belts, it's like, holy shit. And as big of a venue and as passionate of a crowd as you had in London, that would have definitely translated well to the viewing audience. I mean, unless you're going to do another show here in New York or you're going to do something on the East Coast that is going to give you that, the title change wouldn't have hurt. But the match itself was good. So, you know, it just turned it, for me personally, it became a question of, you know, the, the team I wanted to win didn't win. That's all. I agree that you saying you don't want them to lose steam, but I, I doubt that they're going to lose steam for two reasons. One, NXT, much more than WWE, seems to know what they're doing. True. And they're, they're unlikely to lose steam because of one major reason, and that's Enzo. Because yeah. as much as you know, I may have this name for Staten Island, his whole bit when they come out, Right, that always keeps the crowd. It, you know, it, it's terrible that I'm going to say that. It, it, the crowd doesn't get hyped; they stay hyped. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what it is, and I hate Mojo Raleigh so much. Um, you know, you know what the thing is. I, I don't want Enzo and Cass to become Samoa Joe when he was in TNA, where the crowd, where people were like, "Yo, you got to put the belt on this guy. You got to put the belt on this guy. He's red hot. He's red hot." When Samoa Joe finally got the belt, it was like, all right, great, thanks. Nobody was as invested because it was we were so past the point of caring. Like Enzo and Cash, the, the you know the shtick is good, the mic work is solid, and the crowd is into it. But when you got you know teams like Jordan and Gable, who are just on another level when it comes to the crowd, um, you know the Vaude villains, you you got you got enough tag teams in NXT that that can make a lot of noise. A team like Enzo and Cass, even even for a little bit, they need those belts. You know how I always say that some wrestlers don't need the belts; they need the belts. Yeah, they need the belt just because. As much as as Enzo hypes the crowd and everything, right? It, it's it's a perfect accessory for them. It, it's they're exactly. kind of like NXT New Day. Yeah, to a point, but but I but it's exactly in that same realm. Sometimes you need it. Like the New Day have reached a point where even without the belts, they work. See, Enzo and Cass, they've already been without the belts for quite some time, and they've they've mastered that. Now they need to just take it to that extra level as be, by being champions and 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 keeping that same vibe. You know. Yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. I got I got to say that because then. Go ahead. No, just because there are so many tag teams that they can't have it for too long. Exactly. They, they do need to have it. Right. And, you know, the, the same the same thing that I felt about that match is what I felt about Apollo Crews and, and Baron Krang Corbin. Um, I was mad about that. that so, as was I. Mean, I. It, was, it was still a great match, but I was mad about the ending. It, I, was, I, was mad, I was frustrated with the ending, but... You know, the the loss doesn't hurt Apollo, so to speak. But I just feel that if you're going to go to this length with a guy like Baron Corbin, then you need to make sure that either he's getting a title opportunity or something only because you, you've you built this guy as this huge threat, this monster, this phenom, this this extraordinary athlete. 
Yeah, uh, this ugh, terrible, terrible uh, uh, way to word that extraordinary athlete, and you're doing so without getting him anywhere near the belt. And while that is good, you got to put him up there to see if he can really hang. Because right now he's it's hysterical. Go ahead. It's hysterical when you said monster. Because the second you said that, I started hearing the the Krang fight music from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> the arcade game. That, but that's what it is. You know, you have this guy. He's he's this force. He's this this big dude, and it's and you know, whatever. I I crack on the way he looks, but uh, uh, you know, he has a unique look. You know, when he comes out there with the vest and the spotlights and shit, and it's like, oh shit, this guy's a big deal. And then it's like, okay, he's a big deal. Why isn't he challenging for a belt? And and again, I, I kind of felt like you know because of the whole way they they built it up that Apollo Creed was saying you know he'll go through <clears throat> through Corbin and then he's coming to get his title shot that they could have had had Apollo Cruz win and then. Set up like a triple threat match right. between Valor, Valor Joe, and, and Cruz. I agree. I, I, I that would I would have been fine with that. But the problem is, like I said, it, the loss doesn't hurt Apollo. But if you're trying to groom him to be an NXT champion, you can't have too many of those. <laughs> yeah, that, that, can't have. In, in terms of a, a running at the title, it hurts him. Yep. Now. On on the on the flip side, those two matches were the matches that you know could have gone either way, and you know that's that's based on opinion. But um, the NXT Women's Title match, I said to myself, NXT is gonna fuck up if they put the belt on Nia Jax. I'm glad they didn't. But man, did Bailey tell the story of her life in that match? Bailey. I want. I, I was waiting for you to bring it up. I was about to ask you, like, what you thought of the match because I don't know. It's like Bailey tried so hard, and I don't dislike Nia Jax. I actually like, and like somebody, I, I forgot where I saw, but somebody said, um, "You guys cheer, cheer on um, Kevin Owens with the dad bod." But you 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 talk all the shit about Nia Jax. What's what's the big deal? Right. I don't have any problems with her being a big girl. I actually think she's very pretty. But my thing was she just looked so awkward in that match. Well, here's here's the problem. You Nia Jax, and I've seen this on Breaking Ground, and I, you know I'm not going to elaborate on it too much. Nia Jax has the potential to be WWE's awesome con. And that's what they're going for. You could see it in the ring gear. You could see it in the way she carries herself. They're going that route. The problem is that, and I said this when she debuted, I'm like, yo, whoever made her ring gear is a fucking idiot. Because there's there's zero flatter, there's no flattering about that ring gear. She looked like a Fabergé egg with a face. And, um, or, or, or those Russian dolls that you put one inside the other. She looked like that. And I was like, this is just not good. And even now, if you see her ring gear, very, very awesome Kong-like. And I understand where they're going, and that's great. But you got to remember that when it comes to, 
you know, and I and I said this when we were talking about it during the MMA segment. There's an expectation about people looking a certain way, and and you know, we we all have those stigmas we got to deal with. In Nia Jack's case, you know, she is she's you know she's a she's a bigger she's a bigger woman, and you have to book her as such. But the problem is that don't book her as such and make her look that way. You know what I mean? Like 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 work on on making her look like like not not to not to make it that the focal point is that she's a big girl, but that the focal point that she's a threat. Like Awesome Kong was a big was was a big woman, but you never looked at Awesome Kong as a big woman. You looked at Awesome Kong as a chick that'll whoop your ass. Yeah, and, and she sold the mess. Exactly. I honestly, like I said, I, I don't want to shit on them because I like both of them. Yep. But I felt like I was watching someone play, like, one of the old THQ wrestling games, and they, hit, they every time they, they locked up, the person was hitting left and B. Well, you know what I'm it like, is? like, how many fucking Samoan jobs is she going to do? Right, but you got to remember... The whole book, the whole, the, the entire booking style of that match was to get Bailey over as the underdog overcoming the odds. And that's what they did. Like, Bailey didn't use her Bailey to belly suplex because obviously that's just not happening. That wasn't happening. Exactly. But I'm glad that they didn't try to do something where she tried to do it. Like, it, there was just a better story by, by showing that Bailey has not only other moves in her toolkit, but that she had to go into another place mentally to win that match. No, I mean it was it was fantastic that they showed that Bailey knew that it was kind of a David versus Goliath type situation. She's not gonna do her reg- be able to pull off her regular moves because she simply doesn't have the strength to get Awesome Kong off her feet, right? Lifting her, right? And like she, she did a bunch. Like she went for her leg. She kept drop kicking her, and all that stuff. And then you know, eventually with the the um, the guillotine chokes. So that that part was great. I and, think. Go ahead. And Kong, I mean, I said Kong. That's fucked up. <laughs> slamming her out of those chokes. That was great too. I just felt like. Really on the side of Nia Jax, they could have done more with her in that match. Like she did, she did a good job throwing Bailey around, but I just felt like she could have actually, you know, maybe had a move set. Well, that's because the she match didn't even have five moves to do. She had about two. Well, the thing is that match was booked, you know, in a very David versus in a David versus Goliath style. On top of the fact that they Nia Jax is still learning, you know, and you can see it. The problem was that she, you had to put her in that situation to create something unique for Bailey to overcome. Because at the end of the day, it's going to eventually be Bailey and Asuka, Bailey dropping the title to Asuka and Bailey getting the call up. That's where this is going. You know who's the best part about Bailey versus Nia Jax? Shoot. Before, before the match. When Nia Jax was talking shit and Asuka came came up behind her and yep. smiled. Yep, because that's where because that's where that's where it's going. That's that told me that Nia Jax wasn't winning the belt. Right. And that 
Nia Jax is going to have some kind of brawl with Asuka. Right. And I think that's going to be good for her because that's a, that's a you know, Asuka's a performer that Nia Jax can work the quote-unquote strong style like Emma did in the beginning. Emma was, the, the Emma that we saw wrestling Asuka was not the Emma that usually wrestles, you know? Oh, absolutely and, not. And that's what I'm saying. I think that Nia Jackson, and I've said this before, you know, it's something that's become textbook. It's Nia Jackson needs the better opponents to become better herself because she's still learning. Now, I can agree with that. Now, for the, the main event, the main event was fucking ridiculous. The, the, the Balor entrance, uh, the Jack the Ripper entrance was was awesome. I mean, it was very good for the UK crowd. I think these guys told a stellar story from start to finish. Um, I definitely was a little concerned at the end of the match when Balor was sitting in the corner talking to the trainers. I'm like, fuck, let's hope he didn't hurt himself because it's like Sami Zayn is coming back. We don't need Balor to go on the shelf. So, you know, overall... I think he's hurt, but, like, nothing serious. Yeah. I, he, he walked out on his own. He did, but stranger things have happened, you know? Uh, the adrenaline kicks in, and then when it wears off, you're like, ow, I'm dying. So, you know, I, I, I felt that the match was, was great. I, I felt it was a good way for Balor to, to overcome, uh, you know, a challenge like Samoa Joe. It was a hard-hitting match. Uh, typical Balor, awesome entrance. Crowd went home happy. Uh, two hours of just stellar storytelling from NXT. Looking forward to next week's episode of NXT, and I think that... You know, with the return of Sami Zayn, it's going to be very interesting to see who steps up to challenge Balor next. Samoa Joe murdered that match. Yeah, Samoa. But but you've been watching it long enough to know that anything less from Samoa Joe would be weird. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm just saying it's just that. And they, they, they always say it. It's like... Seeing a guy that size, like, doing multiple, like, especially when Bala was on the, the, sitting on the top rope, hitting him in the head with an glory of, like, wow. But you know what the problem is? I hate when they do that, when the commentary does that, because wrestling should be about ability, not look. And by, by, by putting the, the focus back on how Joe looks, like they've done with Kevin Owens, for, for for young kids that are watching this, for, for individuals that are, you know, for especially for young kids who's who's an audience that you're there that you're that you're trying to, to, to preach to, so to speak, you're you don't want to put out those mixed messages regarding body consciousness. You know? And that's one of those things that I think they've done a good job of not doing with Nia Jax, but they still do with Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens. And it bothers me because, again, you know, we're moving past the superhero physiques of the 80s and 90s. We're, we're, we're past that. And because of it, you should, in turn, in turn, move your approach and your commentary in that direction. Well, they definitely do it in WWE. Yep. You know, Michael Cole has zero tech. Nope. But I didn't really feel that, that, that they were doing that so much in NXT. It's just that I'm not saying that you you um are, are just surprised by someone of that size doing moves like that. 
but you you don't really expect the big guy versus the smaller guy to still look like Finn Balor versus like Sami Zayn. No, no, no. I I don't. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that there's you you know NXT does a good job of telling that story, but sometimes, like I said, they fall into that old hat of hey, you know, big guy moves like a lightweight. All right, we got it. You know what I mean? Like you are you, you do it with Bull Dempsey as it is, and that guy fucking he needs all the all the body consciousness he, he can get just because that's his gimmick. But what I'm saying is that you got to remember, it's terrible. Yeah, his gimmick is terrible, and it doesn't help. Again, that you know you're taking this guy, he, he's not the the skinniest guy in the world, and you're putting him in the worst tights ever. And then you're going out there and... After what Adam Rose did on, on Monday. Right, exactly. The picture of him guzzling fucking Hershey syrup. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's what I don't like. Because on one side, you preach tolerance and, and you know, acceptance. On the other side, you're, 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 the first thing you do is clown, is clown a guy on commentary. Like, if it's the wrestlers doing it in an angle, it's different because it's acting. But the commentators are, are giving us the the you know the overall the overall opinion of the masses you know like that means that management feels that Kevin Owens is a fat piece of shit you know well what I've meant with with Samoa Joe is like more in the, the lines that he could be even though he's an active wrestler like he could be training even some people in the in the you know the main card because. Look at look at what Samoa Joe did. Um, well, last night at this point, when he dove through the ring, he looked like a. I mean, he is, but again, um, but he he really looked like a pro when he dove through the ring and and hit Balor. Yep. When take somebody, and I'm, I'm pointing in a specific direction. Take Dean Ambrose. When he dives through the ropes, he looks terrible. No, I understand what you're saying. But that's just that's just a matter of of training and and and, and you know just a different approach to the game. But I I totally get what you mean. It's like it doesn't even look like a move. Nope, it does not. But again, it's it's just NXT is a NXT is just a better product when it comes to in ring st- storytelling. Just a better product, head and shoulders. And and that's what's kind of sad because every now and again, you know, we, we do get a good match like Charlotte versus Paige on Sunday, but it's like they you said it you said it earlier yesterday, like they they nerf the people from NXT yep. when they come up to, to WWE. It's like, Okay, you're gonna wrestle like shit now. I was like, Huh? Yep. It's a regression. Hundred percent, and you know they 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 gotta get there. They gotta they gotta make get their check, so they wrestle like shit. Exactly, it's a hundred percent what it is. But um, I felt that NXT Takeover was a great way to close out twenty fifteen for NXT. I mean, they got the shows next week, but you know that they're not gonna be. You know, they're they're just gonna be filler until the new year. But I think NXT did a stellar job. Uh, next week we got the Slammies, of course. And um, that's pretty much it for this week. Anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm good. I just, you know, I, I enjoyed TakeOver, so I wanted to chime in on it. 
You got it, brother. I appreciate your assist as always. All right. Talk to you later. Hi, brother. Peace. Peace. That was our very own Slick. Uh, with that bit of NXT talk, just want to rattle off a couple of things to take it home. Uh, Lucha Underground, for those of you like myself looking forward to the next season, will be returning to the El Rey Network January 27th at 8 p.m. Keep an eye out for that. Check your local cable listings to see if you have the El Rey Network. Of course, I mentioned last week that Rey Mysterio has signed on to the El Rey Network, I mean, to Lucha Underground, and will be debuting probably in the second episode. You can read our write-up about the signing on RageWorks.net. This weekend, we have Ring of Honor's Final Battle Pay-Per-View, which you can watch on iPay-Per-View and also on the PlayStation Network. If you haven't seen a Ring of Honor show and are a fan of NXT, I recommend you check it out. Uh, The title match is Jay Lethal taking on AJ Styles, and the TV title match is Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish. Tag team titles, The Kingdom is putting their belts up against War Machine. All great matches. Definitely need to check it out. Um, Like I said, iPay-Per-View or the PlayStation Network. Last but not least, to wrap things up, two injury updates. Sting looks like he will be requiring neck surgery for his injury. Uh, Says that he was diagnosed with cervical spinal stenosis. Uh, He discussed the diagnosis on Ric Flair's podcast and will need to go under the knife for that. Hopefully, it does not lead or require neck fusion surgery because if it does, obviously, that will be the end of Sting's in-ring career. And I think that Sting still has one more good match left in him, so we wish him a speedy recovery. For those of you that are wondering where it was where King Barrett was for the League of Nations beatdown at TLC and the involvement on Monday Night Raw, know that he is actually dealing with a nerve injury in his neck and um, should be back sooner rather than later. Nothing too serious, but... Um, You know, the nerve damage definitely is something that requires some rest. But if you have read uh, what's going on with SmackDown this week, then you'll find out what the deal is with Wade Barrett then. But in any case, for those of you curious, he was not on TLC or Raw this past Monday because he was dealing with some nerve damage. So definitely want to wish Wade Barrett a speedy recovery. Look forward to seeing him in the ring. Uh, Very underrated talent. Hopefully, we'll see an increased presence for him and the rest of the League of Nations in 2016. I think the stable has tremendous potential, and hopefully, WWE will utilize it effectively. Anyway, with that bit of wrestling news, that is going to wrap up the wrestling segment and is going to wrap up the uh, marathon edition of My Take Radio for this week. And, of course, it being the final My Take Radio MMA and wrestling edition of 2015. I just want to take a moment and, of course, thank uh, my colleagues, Ben, of course, from Black is the New Black, and Slick, of course, who, uh, in addition to being our games editor, handles a lot of our production duties behind the scenes. Uh, Huge thanks to both those gents for helping me out for this episode, uh, adding an extra voice to the dialogue for this week. Uh, Definitely a great way to close out 2015. Uh, was going to get into some of the best of stuff, but I think I may actually dedicate that to a post on the site. Who knows? Maybe we may do the Ragey Awards for wrestling and MMA this week. We'll see what happens. But in any case, uh, for those of you that are 
primarily that pri- listen primarily to the MMA and wrestling edition of MTR. I will see you guys in 2016 when we return on January 13th. Again, thank you guys for your continued support. Archived episodes of this show will be available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio for audio, and video versions will be available on our two YouTube channels, My Take Radio TV and Official Rageworks. I've given you my take on MMA and wrestling. I would love to hear yours. Feel free to hit us up on social media, on Facebook. Just look for Official Rageworks. On Twitter, we are Rage underscore Works. You can also follow us on Snapchat at Rageworks and also on Instagram, Rageworks underscore Rich. Uh, Definitely going to try and launch a dedicated Rageworks Instagram in 2016. I think somebody's sitting on, on that name, much like they are with the Rageworks Twitter handle, but we'll see what happens. Again, thank you guys for your continued support, and we look forward to giving you guys a brand new MMA and wrestling edition of MTR in 2016. On behalf of myself and the rest of the My Take Radio crew, happy holidays. Hope you guys have a great Christmas and a happy new year, and we'll see you guys in January. Peace. I'm rich, bitch. Everything, everything, that's all, folks.